0: Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, September 1st, Labor Day weekend already. We are here live. It is a free for all for this first hour. I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about today, but uh, we can certainly get to your calls and questions. So line them up. Uh, at nine o'clock, we'll uh, head on into trucking technology and efficiency. Joel is confirmed. I haven't heard from Henry yet. And then uh, after an hour or so of that, we'll uh, head on over to Twitter and just kind of end the week on a fun note. We'll just make it a free for all. Maybe we'll have a little fun with it. Maybe we'll yell over each other like we do sometimes, but uh, we'll make it good. So let's just jump right in and get started. I've got some weird stuff I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about the show alone first. Then I have some trucking topics I want to get to. And then we'll see if you have anything you want to talk about. So I've talked about the show alone. I'm kind of fascinated by it. And, and the more I watch it, the more I actually want to watch it. In the beginning, I said, you know, it's not even all that. It's not really that great of a show. It moves a little slow. I'm, I'm more into it now. Um, the season just ended. And I thought, all right, we'll have to wait till next season. But then they started a new show. Alone, Australia. I thought, oh, that'll be really cool. I want to see the differences. You know, Australia is such a weird place with animals. And, you know, we always think of they've got some really dangerous stuff down there. Snakes and big spiders and stuff that, you know, one bite and you die, it seems like. So I thought this is really going to be good. (sighs) I don't even know what to say. I want. If somebody else has already seen this, I've got a question for you, and I want some other people to go watch it and see if you get the same feeling I got. And I'll just tell you the feeling I got. This is possibly the most woke version of the American show that I can imagine. Really, I, I, I don't know if I'm just way off base on this. I don't think I am. I want somebody else to go watch it. So first off, I still... Hold on to this image of Australians—that they're all like Crocodile Dundee—or, um, you know, I've always kind of thought of Australians as like Texans with a weird accent. You know, they're they're outdoors, they're rugged, they're independent. You know, they'll they'll take on a crocodile, and yet over the last couple of years and the COVID response and everything that went on, it it really was an eye opener to how awful that country has become. Possibly worse. Well, no, not possibly. Definitely worse than the United States in this issue. They had COVID camps. It was really bad. And when you watch this show, you can see it. What a bunch of weenies. I am not kidding. It is. I don't even know where to start. Um, First off, I would have expected that these people would have been better at this. Again, it's just that misplaced image I have. Uh, There were three or four people out within the first three days. Three, I think, and then maybe another one on the fourth. Uh, But they dropped quick. And first off, many of them just don't look like they're going to be able to survive in the wild. And then their attitude it's just a bunch of whining and complaining. Then get this. One guy got pulled from the show because he got COVID. They they have, they have rapid tests with them. And the guy gets, you know, he's not feeling good when he wakes up on like the third day. And he pulls out his COVID test and is positive. So they pulled him off the show. I thought, come on. There's no way. That is, that, that is so staged. That is bullshit. Unbelievable. Um, and, and it gets worse. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just I want other people to go watch. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to finish it, although now it's become like a train wreck. I can't look away. What a bunch of whiners. And, it, and I will say, though, that the place they are in is awful. I can't even imagine you know when i see the the shows up here at what reindeer lake i think it was and up in victoria i love that part of the world the the outdoors that's why i live here the pacific northwest the big pine trees and you know open forest that you can walk through and big game and streams and fish and i love that this place they're in tasmania Um, So it rains 255 days out of the year. The forest or whatever you want to call it is just so overgrown and nasty. Um, The water looks awful. The animals are just bizarre. I mean, we know that anyway. Kangaroo hunting or wombat hunting or Um, That just all seems odd anyway. And now where they are, you have to deal with Tasmanian devils screaming all night long. That's just bizarre. Uh, One of the guys who tapped out early, and I really thought when they kind of did the introductions that this guy was going to win it. I'm like, how are you going to beat this guy? Um, He's what they call like a First Nation, um, which would be like a Native American here. And we have lots of different tribes Um, He's one of the first world or or, uh, first nation tribes and and still very closely tied to that culture. His ancestors still live this way. And I thought, how are you going to beat this guy? Except he tapped out either. I think it was the second day. But his explanation of it was really interesting. I, I really got a lot out of it. He, he. when he got there, by the way, he has this whole ritual that he goes through and he explains it. Um, his tribe, his ancestors were nomadic and they would move from place to place based on seasons and resources. And every time they would move into a new place, they have a ritual. They have to honor the land before they do anything to change it or or take away from it, they have to honor it first. And he goes through this whole ritual. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're not gonna beat this guy. Except he tapped out. And what he said was really interesting. He said, look, I didn't really understand this until I got here. And he said, when you make it a competition like this, that all somebody has to do to win all of this money is make it the longest. He said it immediately becomes a fight against nature. There's no long-term thinking. There's no thinking about the land and the resources. There's no working with the land. It's just a matter of fighting against it, just just white-knuckling it. And it really comes down to who can survive the misery the longest. We're all just going to be miserable out here. And it's just a matter of who can survive it the longest. He said, that is the the exact opposite of what my ancestors believed and have lived for thousands of years. We work with the land. We become part of the ecosystem. We don't fight against it. But he said, one person out here can't do that. You know, I've talked about that, that as humans, we had to have tribes. We could not survive alone. And this show is just a really good example of this. These people have crazy skills. I've talked about this. I'm so amazed at what they're able to do, what they're able to make out of just stuff there on the land. And you could see they they should be able to survive and they can't. We had to live in tribes. There very, very few exceptions to that. Maybe none, really. But that, that was such an interesting take that he, he just once he realized, and, and that was like a, a you, know, a learning moment that this was just wrong, that even this contest just just goes against the way we really should be living in nature. Uh, the other thing about this area. I mentioned here we have big game, tons of fish, big, big fatty fish, salmon, and boy, not hard to survive here as far as food goes. There, there is nothing. You know, they all knew they should be looking for things like wombats and um, all the marsupials, but they, they've all walked around their entire areas. There's no signs of anything living. Uh, by the third day, um, nobody had secured any protein yet. And then I think one woman caught an eel, not even a very big eel. But here's the other thing. I think here's another one of the woke things. I think the woman who caught an eel is, is primarily vegetarian or vegan because she talks about that she doesn't really eat meat and she doesn't like fish and um, she's a biologist. And so she, but she catches this eel and she cooks it. You have to watch the scene where she tries to eat it she can't, she's gagging and, and making all kinds of crazy noises. And uh, she's almost rolling around on the ground, just trying to swallow a bite of this eel. And the thing is this, I never knew this. Well, I guess I did, but eel loaded with oil. They're really, really oily. That's why they also have a really strong taste. I've had, I actually like eel Um, I've eaten eel sushi And I I like eel, but it is really, really strong. Um, So she, it's just hilarious watching her trying to eat this. And then she finally just says, I can't. And what she is holding in her hand right there was like 18 days worth of calories or something. There's so much fat in there. That would have been the ultimate survival food for her. And, and th- there's not much food around, so that, that heel would probably become really important, and she just can't choke it down. I, like I said, the whole thing is just so woke. I, I can't I can't think of any other way to say it. Uh, so just, just really a bizarre kind of show. I really want somebody else to watch it and see... Uh, see if my opinion is off base on this one. I don't know. All right, so the trucking topic I want to talk about today, uh, I'll just throw it out there. If you want to talk about it, we can. Uh, if you don't want to talk about it, we can talk about anything you want to talk about. One, the, You know the pattern I've noticed with these trucking associations over the years, and, and many of these have really kind of been at odds with forever. The one exception really, and I've said this for years, I've always really loved Nastic's model. Uh, and and we just agree on a lot of things that education is important, that working with brokers, not fighting against them is important. Um, they believe in education. They have a great annual event every year. They do an education event every month. That to me, is an association. Their sole purpose, is to help you improve your business primarily through education, which is my model. So of course I agree with them and we get along and it's I'm looking forward to a great partnership with them. On the other hand, I've been very critical of OIDA for decades, that they don't seem to put a lot of time or effort or resources into education. They've made some attempts, and I know they have a class now, So don't call me and say, no, you're wrong. They've got class. I know they've got classes. Um, I will also tell you that there was a a weird kind of pattern to one of those. I had criticized them for years for not having education. And then I started the CMC program and not on purpose. um, For years, we did the CMC in their backyard, Kansas City. It was just a great location for us. And then they actually started a similar program. In fact, when I started my CMC, theirs was almost identical. Two days, covered all the same topics, and, and I'm not saying they copied me. There's only so many things to teach donor operators Anybody doing this, their material should look very similar, and theirs did, but that program for having 180,000 members didn't look like they were getting very many people through that program, and, and I, I know why because they never really valued education, so their members weren't really looking for education. And now I know they've brought some back. Good, good for them, and I mean that. I, I'm applauding them. I, we need more education, and they have the power to do it. So I'm glad they're finally doing it. But I've also said that I can sum up their business model in a couple sentences. And I know this pisses a lot of people off, but I, I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion. Here's their business model. Drivers and owner-operators are being screwed and exploited by everybody. Join us, and we will screw them back. I think that sums up their business. And and look, they know that. that They did it on purpose. That is their model. They want that model. So good for them. Go do it that way, then. I don't believe that's a good way to operate in an industry at all. In fact, I think it might be the worst way um, and I talk with a lot of people in this industry and a lot of players in all segments of this industry have come to the same conclusion. And because of that, they just tend to avoid them. That's a bad model. You, you can't piss off and fight with everybody else in your industry and think that that's going to help your members. And they do a lot of lobbying. So, you know, if, if you feel like their lobbying efforts have really helped you, then you should go join them and, and give them your money. Um, I won't. I chose many, many years ago not to. Uh, I just think there's a, a much better way of helping people. So now this new owner-operator association seems to just be taking the same approach. Every issue they talk about that I've seen so far is that drivers and owner-operators are being screwed and exploited. And if you join us, we'll go to the government and screw them back. We'll get the brokers regulated for you. We'll get the shippers regulated for you. That, that seems to be their approach. And if it's any different than that, I'd love to have one of their officers explain to me how it's different. Because that's the way I see it. So with that in mind, I, I got thinking about exploitive products and services in trucking you know they've attacked things like brokers exploiting owner operators uh, big carriers exploiting owner operators Landstar taking such a huge percentage it should be a crime uh, lease purchase programs exploiting owner operators What else? Lots of them. Lots of things that are exploitive. The independent contractor rule being used to exploit drivers. There's a topic that I find very exploitive in this industry. I I don't want any regulation to get rid of it. I don't want any regulation at all. I just educate people on why you might want to be very, very careful about using services like this. And the service I'm talking about is factoring. I mean, if we really want to get down right down to it, I can't think of a more exploitive service in this industry. I've seen interest rates as high as 60%. That would be illegal in most states if these were looked at as loans. We already have laws. You can't charge people those kind of interest rates. But like I've always said, no matter how many regulations government writes, if there's profit... Industry will find a way around it. They found a way around government limits the amount of interest companies can charge. Those are heavily regulated industries. When you start dealing with people's money, I keep hearing this thing from owner-operators. Nobody's regulated like we are. Bullshit. My God, you people should go out and read a little bit and get educated. I can name 10 industries that are regulated twice as much as owner-operators and the financial industry is one of them, and it doesn't do any good because we still have things like payday loans and factoring services. Hugely exploitive, almost criminal, but they're not criminal because we have laws that allow it, and yet we have laws that almost seem to be against it. Again, government can't even make up its mind, but I never hear these groups talk about this issue. And at first I thought, It's probably because they just don't even understand it. But then I started thinking, let me go check a few things. So I went and checked some websites and a couple other things. Interestingly enough, factoring services seem to spend a lot of money sponsoring and and associating with associations and influencers. And the kind of influencers I'm talking about Are these people like TikTok and YouTube where they build really big followings? And by the way, most of those people have bought those followings. Twitter is actually trying to crack down on that. Twitter is trying to put things into place to make it much, much more difficult to buy followers. I could go on to Twitter right now. I could still do it on Twitter. I can do it on Facebook, YouTube, all those other sites all day long. I could go buy a hundred thousand followers today. It'd take me a month or so to get them all into my system. But if I wanted followers, I can just go buy them. And unfortunately, many of these companies, when they look for influencers, they don't care what the influencers are promoting or saying. All they want are numbers. They just want eyeballs. So, I found many of these groups and influencers are heavily sponsored by factoring companies. So I just might uh, spend more time talking about uh, how exploitive factoring companies are. Now, I'm not going to ask for any kind of regulations. I'm just going to tell you to vote with your dollars. Don't support these companies. Now, every once in a while. I run across an owner-operator who's using it, understands all the expenses, and is actually using it in a way that might make some sense. And when you get up to bigger companies, leveraging money like factoring actually becomes more common. There's a lot of risk involved, but they do it. Um, Oh, speaking of that, by the way, speaking of a company that heavily leveraged money in a very risky way not factoring, but, but things that are similar, very, very risky, expensive ways of raising money, uh, looks like they're in trouble. I was shocked when I saw this this morning. Let me go find the uh, exact details here. Here's the headline. Convoy cut off by OTR Solutions. Um, OTR Solutions is a um, factoring company. So here we are talking about factoring. Um, they will no longer pay your freight bill if you use Convoy. If you're factoring through OTR solutions, you better understand don't book a load with Convoy because you're not going to get paid. They are now on the do not buy list. Uh, there were some numbers in here. What, what where were those numbers? Um, the OTR official said that OTR asked Convoy to pay down an outstanding balance from $500,000 to $300,000, but Convoy said that it could not. Now, Convoy is backed by people like Bill Gates. Convoy has taken in so much seed money over the last couple of years. I've talked about it. Every round when they get hundreds of millions of dollars, I've talked about it. Now, let's think about this. I, I'm not bragging, but our, our little 10-employee company with no seed money from anybody, if I had to pay down a $200,000 debt right now, we could do it. That shouldn't be that big of a deal, even for a company our size. That, that's the kind of cash reserves you have to have to get through some of these cycles. That's what I've been talking about since 2018. I've said Our focus is saving cash. We need to get ready for what I think might be a really tough economy. And a couple of hundred thousand dollars in cash is not, that's not a lot for even a company our size. I I think that's just what's necessary to be comfortable. And here's a company that's received hundreds of millions of dollars and they can't pay down a, $200,000 debt? The the company isn't even asking them to pay the whole bill. um, Yeah, they're only asking them to pay $200,000 down. And Convoy said, we can't do it. And then when OTR, now this is all in their contract. OTR has this right because it's been written into a contract. OTR asked Convoy for their financials. That is an important part of a deal like this. So, Don't anybody out there confuse it with brokers needing to show their profit margins on a load. This is very different. This is all in writing, agreed to by both parties ahead of time. And it's very common in an arrangement like this. So OTR said, hey, look, we're kind of worried that you got a half a million dollars behind. We're really worried that you can't pay down $200,000. We want to audit your financials. And uh, basically, Convoy said, no, no we're not going to show them to you. That's wild. It's kind of a big deal, I think. Maybe not, but uh, that's kind of a scary sign for what might be going. You know, surge transportation had to reorganize. Now, convoys looking like they've got big money problems. So, how is it that the biggest brokerages are controlling the rates to put owner-operators out of business? No, they're going out of business. Just a lot coming together in... uh, In all these stories. Um, Seems like I had another comment along those lines, but I can't remember what it was. So maybe I'll get to your calls and it'll come back to me. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Brian, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Kevin. Hey, you can't run a trucking company without factoring. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Don't you know anything? I, You know, I, I don't know
0: why I, I try to tell people, hell, I could show you a much better way to factor. If you have decent credit and you can get a couple credit cards, I'll show you a way to do this almost free. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you got a home equity before, loan from, you know, think com- about this. I was telling people that were in good financial shape. Not a bad idea to have a home equity line of credit already in place. Just leave it there. You don't have to use it. You right. may never use it. But if you want it, it's there. And with a HELOC, I can really do this cheap. I become my own factoring company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And you say about Convoy. Yeah. Let's talk about this. You've been using OTR Solutions and Convoy. Well, you wake up this morning and your
1: world just changed. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you know, so many companies, even big companies like Convoy, are run right on the edge. It's crazy. Um, oh. you know, the company I used to be leased to hey, Brian. was one of them, you know. Hold, yeah. Brian, hold on one second.
0: I, I just remembered what, sure. um, what the other comment I wanted to make, because we had an interesting space yesterday. Um, I was, we, I started that space at. 10, 15, I think at two o'clock, I called a 10 minute warning and said, I got to get out of here. And then the very next person that spoke up kept me there till three. And at three, I had to go because I had an appointment, but this was the topic. (laughs) This, this caller came in and really, I haven't heard much from him before. And right off the bat is kind of within the first couple of sentences, it was about how brokers should be capped to five or 6%. So the whole thing about capping brokers again, but boy, did we get aggressive on the rate. We're only going to give them five or 6% now. And look, (laughs) there's no argument about this. You can't run a brokerage on 6%. Can't be done. I'll I'll show it to you in math and the numbers. It doesn't work. It's not even enough to keep the doors open. But that's so anti-capital. We called the guy a communist and he lost his mind. But I, I don't know what else you could call somebody who wants to let the government control our rates in any business. That's communism. How else can you spell that out? So he, he lost his mind because somebody kept screaming at him that he was a communist. Uh, I want to get back to what he posted today. Where did that go? Um, he posted about how how he booked a load yesterday. Now, he is a car hauler, so don't freak out about this rate. But he, he posted about how, there don't take those cheap rates. I'm not working for crumbs. I booked a load today at $14 a mile. So my response was, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you crook. You are doing exactly what you just <laughs> accused, accused brokers of doing. Oh, and by the way, yesterday I asked him what, a, what he thought would be a fair rate per mile. And I think we were in like the $4 a mile range or something, $4 or $5 car hauler. Okay, I can go along with that. And then I tried to ask him, if you ever got a load at $10 a mile, Would you turn around and give it back because that's just too much profit for the work you did? And I asked you what fair was, and I'm giving you an example of something that's at least double what you consider fair. Would you give it back? And he would never even answer the question. He just kept, you know, going off on another tangent. So today I see him post that he got a load at $14 a mile. And I said, you crook, you better give that back. You're taking way too much profit. We need to have your rate capped. And I still don't think they get it.
1: Well, well, you know, my angle on that, Kevin, every time anybody says a rate per mile, I want you to picture me saying on how many miles and what was the total gross? Cause you know, course, I'm the short right. guy. Exactly. And, and, and rate per mile is most meaningless. If you don't know the length of the haul. Um, and where it's going, and, and where it's coming and, from, and blah, how blah, many blah, days blah. you're going to tie
0: yourself and your equipment up for? Exactly. Yep.
1: Yep. All right. Go ahead. That's that's enough so, of my ranting today. Are, all right. Well, I'm glad I reminded you. Um, are are we doing trucking technology and efficiency today? Uh, we
0: are. Uh, Joel's joining me. He's confirmed. I haven't heard from Henry or anybody else yet. Um, I did finally hear from John Walco. He's been very, very busy racing this year, and he's looking forward to coming back. So, I was, I was beginning to worry about him. I hadn't heard from him for a while. So, uh,
1: uh, yeah, I was worried too. I thought you fired him. No, uh, now we're just kind of going to have to try to get unemployment. I know he kind of <laughs> just disappeared on us. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that he's uh, still floating around and wanting to get back in. So I know I'm going to have to jump off. I'm not going to have to. I
0: I did find it. All right. I I just want to go back and see if. So here I want to just quote. I did a run for $14 a mile yesterday. 85 miles. Oh, he did give us the length. Paid me $1,200. Don't settle for crumbs, y'all. Do you know? And I'm sure this next sentence is a is a, is towards me and even more towards my listeners. Listen to this next sentence. Do you know why parrots have newspapers under them? All they do is shit all over everything. You know what that's all about, right? That's about when he tries right. to debate people that, you know, I guess, follow me. I even hate that word, that they say the same things I do. Well, well of course they do. It's right. I mean... It just is what it is. Of course, we're all saying the same thing. Uh, So I thought that was, uh, and then he, so, and then when I asked him, you know, about, are you going to give some of that back? My very next post, I immediately said, oh, by the way, congrats on securing an excellent rate. Very capitalistic of you. I'm proud. And he came back with, I don't make bread with with crumbs, brother. Good, good. Why can't you let everybody else do that too then? Go get as much profit as you can. Right. That's how free markets work. Right. It's like they don't even understand. Uh, they're, they're so blind to this that they're doing exactly what they're accusing these guys of and then bragging about it. Right. It's 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 kind of hilarious. <laughs> uh,
1: but it makes for good radio. Well at least I um, think so. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I'm not going to be able to join for technology and efficiency today, but I kind of had a, a a drive tire. Uh, I want to I want to get everybody talking about drive tires because you know fuels cresting five bucks a gallon here and yep um, rates are down and. Uh, Rates are down, so money could be a little tight, I, I, right? But I, I know, I know what you're going to say. Just, just buy those Michelin's, Brian. Don't even worry about it. Um, and I'm running numbers on it. It's, it's tough because, so honestly, but, Michelin doesn't. Go Michelin's
0: ahead. very proud of their tires, no doubt about it. I, I've said that for years. And there are times, and this is one of them. Um, and Mike's been talking about this for a while that some of these first line tires, like our best tire that Michelin's putting out, Um, especially steer tires. We started to see some weird wear issues on those. You have to be careful with those sometimes. Um, And Mike and I talked several times about how some of the second line tires might now be the best value. So yeah, if you're looking at something other than a Michelin, a Yokohama, a Continental, uh, and some of those are first line too, but um, not quite as expensive as Michelin, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, watch rolling resistance. Don't buy a ridiculous tire just because it's cheap. But there, there is a way to balance this between how much I'm spending and do I really need the top of the line tire?
1: Right, right, yeah. And it's getting hard to get rolling resistance numbers out of out of Michelin it, for anything that they di- they didn't make. well their list is a little outdated it
0: it is and and i understand why the testing is extensive and expensive and as tire manufacturers keep bringing out new tires and changing their models michelin has to go do that again and you think about you've looked through a list of tire models right there's hundreds hundreds and they have to test each one And they they do multiple testing. I've been through it. They do computer simulated testing. They do real-world roll-down testing. I got to drive a truck on the roll-down track. I mean, here's, here's one of the ways they test rolling resistance. They get a day with almost zero wind. They've got a long, straight track that they do this. They get the truck up to a certain speed, and at a mark in the pavement, it gets kicked into neutral. And they just measure how far it coasts. And they do it multiple times, but that, that's one of their tests. So testing each tire is expensive and time-consuming. But here's another thing. This issue of rolling resistance gets smaller and smaller as more and more tires become low rolling resistance. You know, there was a time when Michelin was just killing everybody on this. And that's not the case anymore many of these tires now have low rolling resistance.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the ways that I tried to kind of reverse engineer this and others can do this too. Uh, Yokohama also has a rolling resist Well, they call it a fuel savings calculator. They right. make it quite a bit more complicated, but they have a lot of current competitive tires listed. And I looked up a lot of them and and I basically found out they're all about the same. That's what I mean, um, right. But, yeah, but um, if you believe Michelin's numbers, um, they're still about 20 points better than than everybody else if you get the latest and greatest, like the, the D-plus or the D-two. And if you're on the numbers, it's worth spending the money. So, uh, but it, I'm still like, I don't know. <laughs> here's, here, here's, <laughs> you know? A,
0: here's another interesting piece of news from the broker world this morning. Coyote Logistics laid off an unspecified number of workers this morning. These big brokers oh, wow. who have been controlling the rate are are must be total idiots. They're they're able to control the rate, <laughs> but they still can't stay in business. What a bunch of dummies!
1: Yeah, right. Look at them having to control their costs. That's yeah, just ridiculous.
0: Sheesh! What's with that? Interesting. No. Um, uh, th- these yeah. are these are big companies, and th- this does not look good. Right. Might be time to hunker yeah, so down I'm, a little. I'm
1: looking at, yeah, I believe it's Yokohama's second tier Galaxy.
0: Ooh, it's like their
1: India tier.
0: It, that's I,
1: that now yeah.
0: we, we'd be talking third tier. <laughs> no, really, that that's how yeah, this maybe. goes. That no, that that we do that. It, there is first tier, second tier, third tier. Honestly, I look at some of these tires and go, no, I might even create a fourth tier for that mm-hmm. one. We know so little about them. We can't get any details. They're coming from countries that are known for making cheap products. I mean, China, India; those companies right. are known um, known for making cheap products. And if I don't, I will right. not touch a third tier tire. Not won't even consider it.
1: Yeah, too risky for me. Wasn't Yokohama? Yokohama's not first tier. Um.
0: Yeah, they they kind of are. And I if I remember right, I get this confused. There's so much of this in the tire industry. I think Michelin owns them. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think well, they I... do. Yeah. But there's a lot of that I'm in the sure. tire industry. Just like a lot of industries. You you don't realize how many brands might be under the same umbrella.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a wide world. I'm looking at everything from them at 385 mounted to, you know, Michelin super singles at like 1350 not mounted.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, we'll here, but here's here's
0: the other thing I want you to do um is go back on your records, how long do tires typically last you? then take the difference between the two and just figure that out per mile. My guess is it's going to come down to less than a penny per mile.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt.
0: Which means if we think about that, I will make this purchase and it will have zero impact on my profit and loss. I'm buying the more expensive tire, but it won't even show up in my profit and loss as a per mile cost. Right. Yep. So, so I, if you brought me your profit and loss and I was reviewing it, I would never look at your tire cost and go, oh my God, why are you spending so much money? It, it wouldn't even be noticeable to right. me that you spent all that money on tires. I wouldn't even be able to find it in your profit and loss. This is another reason why I do yeah, default right. to buying the most expensive tire because it, it doesn't even impact my bottom line at all. Right. Um, here's uh, some pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to go through all the tire brands and who owns everybody. And Michelin does not own um, Yokohama. So Continental owns Barum. Never heard of them. Uniroyal, Matador, General Tire, Maybor, Semperit, Sportiva, Viking, and Gislaved. Um, Michelin owns Kleber. Cormoran, Riken, BF Goodrich, Taurus, and Uniroyal. Pirelli owns and Formula. Bridgestone owns Nokian, Dayton, Firestone, Lhasa, Achilles, and Nokian. Um, there's Toyota tires. Goodyear owns Falcon, Dunlap, Kelly, uh, a couple others nobody's ever heard of. Cooper Tire owns a bunch, but nobody's ever really heard of. Hankook owns a couple. I can't even find um, Yokohama. They're not even on the list. That's bizarre. I didn't see them as owning other companies or anybody owning them. Let me see if I can search for them.
1: I've heard people claim that Michelin owns Hancock, which is half true. The, it, I, I think they own a they five or ten percent stake. Right, they made an
0: investment in Hancock at one time. They didn't buy them, but they made a significant investment into Hancock. They don't own them. They don't control them, but they they've got a pretty good share of the company. So that you're right. right. That it's a little different. They don't really own them, but there is a pretty close uh, connection there. Yeah. For some reason on that website, Yokohama doesn't even come up. I did a search for it. It's not there at all. Uh, oh, maybe I know why. Does Yokohama make car tires? Uh, yeah. Oh, do they? Okay. I was thinking maybe they just don't make car tires. And I think this list was more a car tire list, but huh, all right. Well, that's weird what else you got
1: yeah oh um yeah so i i i did run the cooper pro lhds um and i got 200,000 out of them and honestly that for me that's good okay. and and i'm very impressed with them i can get them for 510 a lot of people wow. run i'm just going to throw this out for everybody else that's mounted um a lot of people are running kind of their lower tier, the, the Cooper Roadmaster RM852 EMs. I can get them mounted for 445. Uh, I know Joel just the other about a month ago had recommended the Yokohama 709 ZL. I did run those on my day cab, and I, I don't know they were okay, but I, yeah, I, I might maybe try them again. But I'm they're at 595 for those. But you're getting you know, here's the here's, money there. Here's
0: kind of where we are on tires today. It, it's changed over the years. We need to change with it. You know, I said you could buy the most expensive tire and it's not going to impact your bottom line. You could buy a cheaper tire too, and you're, you're going to save a little money and maybe they'll perform almost as good anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you stay with a it, it, yeah, if you stay with a long-haul, closed-shoulder, right. supposedly fuel-efficient tire, it's hard to go wrong, I think. I think But so. that makes the decision so much harder. Well, I see, <laughs> you I, know? I, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll say the opposite. I think it makes it really easy. If this were a really critical decision, okay. like one might be way better than the other one, but I'm not sure which, that is a hard decision. Here, what we're saying is... From the top to the bottom, it's not even going to show up in our p l No matter which one we choose, probably not going to have much of an impact on our P&L. At that point, to me, the decision's easy. Hell, I can flip a coin if, it, if that's the decision. Yeah. Sometimes I say this yeah. is one of those questions that at, at this moment for you, this, this, it's not even worth thinking about. Just, just yeah. do it. Just make a decision. I, I just don't see it having enough impact one way or another that I would really spend a lot of time on this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so if anybody's looking at the top tier uh, dual, uh, the Michelin X-Line Energy D+, Plus, the newest one, I believe the advantage price is like
3: 662 Okay.
1: And, like I said, they're like twenty points better than just about anything well, that I can figure on um, and they only have, they only have twenty thirty seconds of tread, but you could look at that as a positive because and and they they tout this on the brochure right out of the gate um they have better traction than the Bridgestone, acopia. Copia, so according I, to them, in I, the snow. I just did some
0: rough math based on a couple of numbers you gave me, that the tires last you about 200,000 miles, which is a good number for you. The price spread I saw uh, from 400 and some dollars to 600 and some dollars. You do the math on 200,000 miles worth of wear, and it's less than a penny.
1: Yep, 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 that's right. Yeah. And so if you get a drive tire that only starts with 20, 30 seconds, well, then you don't have to deal with feeling drunk for the first six exactly. months you're driving
0: them. Yeah. No, you're right.
1: <laughs> you're exactly right.
0: That I used to hate that feeling. Oh, oh I will say, yeah, um, no. I, I've never, never had a new wide single feel like that.
1: Yeah, True.
0: The only That's thing true. I get, I, there are some I, weird I, things. On, on, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we have all the 110,000-pound the mm-hmm. combos, which are pretty common up here, um, that run around in the three states up here that allow it. We tend to get really deep rutting in the road because of those heavier trucks. And I will say the wide singles can get a little squirrely in some of those deep ruts.
1: Yeah, and I've run them in the past, and I have the rims and i could run them and it is tempting cuz you do you can gain well it's only 6 points if you're comparing Michelin's to Michelin's uh, yeah at that point for me wow, it, I have the it's two inch-
0: yeah it hasn't been about rolling resistance for me it's about all the other things i love about wide singles i think they handle better in almost every situation and like i said i've had them on a test track so i kind of been able to push them to their limits i love the ease of inflation I love not worrying about my inflation matching. I love not worrying about get, getting different wear rates on two tires bolted together. I just think there's a lot of overall advantages to them.
1: Yeah. Save a little bit yeah, of weight, for me, nothing it
0: major. Was... But...
1: Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: I'm kind of meh on, on them in my experience, so I'm probably not going to go back to them, but yeah. I, I would consider it. Well, hey, I'm
0: going to, I'm going to move along. Yeah, I saw we've, we've got some other questions that uh, I, I, sometimes I just get talking to people and I forget what we're doing today. Um, and the calls are piling up on me. I kind of want to get through some of these before Joel gets here. Although uh, Joel can just jump in and join us on these as well. Joel's always got a good take on just about everything we talk about. Uh, Jerry, what's up?
4: Good day, mate. No worries. I'm not going to say a word about uh, silicon or your lack of pumpkin spice nut butter today. Not a word. <laughs> I've
0: got something else. <laughs> Good. What's on your mind?
4: You know, I listened to you. Uh, I listened to you yesterday, and there was a little light bulb moment came on, and I'm going to share that with you. You have had two uh, folks call in this week about operating in dirty conditions and having problems with air filter plugging. Yes. My background is, is I have extensive years of years of operating farm machinery in extremely dusty conditions. The combine was the worst because it was in the fall year and everything was dead. And there were times I'd have to change the air filter in that combine like twice a day. You'd always start out the morning with a clean one. I saw you start out the season with about four or maybe five brand new ones, and then as they you'd change it out every day, you take it back to shop. You blow it out and put it in the next morning. You keep a couple in the pickup truck to change during the day if you needed to. Now, you made a statement about a concern about blowing out the fillers that much and causing uh, dirt intrusion into an engine. If you tear it Farm filter. machinery manufactured. Oh, Go ahead. If you tear
0: the filter during that blowing out process.
4: Well, here's the solution and I'm going to offer the solution and I'm going to suggest how to facilitate it. There' I've, I've shared your concern for years and years and years. And their solution was, if you have a, any, any, I mean, even my little loader tractor with a 70 horsepower engine had an air filter within an air filter. They actually call it the safety filter. It's a small round pair filter inside the air filter it stays there it doesn't doesn't come out i mean it's not permanently okay. mounted you can replace okay. it but if you take that air filter out blow it out and put it back in if there's any concern about a in that air filter and shooting dirt into the engine that safety now, filter prevents that now let me, the,
0: hold on let me ask you a question because i want to understand this okay are you saying that safety filter is a part of the oem replacement filter that you're putting in
4: no, it's a no. separate part number that oh. stays in there. It's two separate, so, got two it. separate so, part numbers, so, and it th- is replace. It is replaceable, but I I never replace them. Maybe once a year. So, so let no, me ask No, they're you two then completely then separate that, units, and any. Okay.
0: Oh, and I think you already addressed this. You sh- you said you're going to help us understand how to facilitate it. So just keep going. That's what I was going to ask you.
4: Oh, okay. Now, it, uh, okay. The and I'm not. I, I would find a solution somehow, but I don't know how anybody else would Somewhere along the line, every truck manufacturer makes chassis for hundreds of different applications. Somewhere in the bowels of the truck manufacturer, there will be an individual that specializes in severe duty. And I would suggest that probably that they have a solution of the same nature of having in some sort of a safety filler in there. That makes and you're going to have to get a hold of the parts manager, and the parts manager is going to have to get a hold of his people in the company. There are processes in place to climb up. Uh, Email or a phone ladder to get to the right person somehow that would get you an air filter housing that would have a safety filter in it. I have an
0: idea.
2: Okay.
0: Um, I think sometime, probably next week, um, I might pick up the phone and give David Counts a call over at Fleet Air Filter and just ask him.
4: There you go.
0: What? Um, what there you go. Is there enough? Here's the big concern is there enough of a market? Can you sell, a, now an OEM, it's much easier for them to put something like this on the market. Like you said, it ends up down in the bowels and they're hard to find. A small company like David's can't really afford to put all the research and development and, and manufacturing resources to, to even create a product like that and then stock it. And so sometimes it just comes down to numbers. Could David build this? Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. And if he did, I have a feeling it's going to be done really well. But the question becomes, is there enough need for this? And, and I think the answer is probably no. Now, maybe, maybe there's okay. a, an inexpensive way David could think of doing this, and I'll, I'll run that by him. And maybe we even use it in a non-extreme environment just as a, a safety. If it's inexpensive enough to do, it might be worth it.
4: Could be. Uh, the other solution I would have is that I would almost bet that, that no original equipment manufacturer would make their own air filter housing. So the other solution, kind of a two-pronged approach, you try the OEM first, but then you find out, look, for example, let's say you find out your OEM buys their air filter canisters from Donaldson, for example, and I would be on the phone with Donaldson, and I would get the individual in Donaldson. i say, Look, here's the size of my air filter. Here's the air filter number. What do you have as a canister that would supply me with an internal safety element? And yeah. I'll bet somebody somewhere, again, in that manufacturer is going to say, Well, yeah, here's the part number, and here's the uh, element you need. So, you know, it's in- just, I mean, I can't facilitate the solution, but that's the solution is just having that safety filter in there. Yeah, interesting.
0: All right, we'll uh, we'll look into that. And even
4: a, another on on another, and even to carry it another step further, you talk about blowing them out, and that guy asked about whether you blow them out, internal or external. And I guess my opinion is, for for just when you ask me why, my opinion is you always blow it from the inside out because you don't want to embed right. any material into the filter itself by blowing it from the outside in. The, to that end, there's an, actually a company, and I've seen it advertised. There's actually a company that makes. A, an air wand to blow out air filters. It's a long, like a four-foot long wand with a right. manifold screwed on the end of it with about six outlets coming out around it with a little short nipple and, a, and an air nozzle in, on that nipple that you can put down in the center of the air filter and, and it blows all around it out.
0: You know, there was a company that approached me for a couple of years. They would send me an email every now and then um, it, it was slightly limited because I think they only made this product for the, the classics with the big canisters. But they made an outer wrap for the filters. You just took any stock you know, paper filter and wrapped their outer wrap around it, and it was another layer of protection. Um, that may work in a really dirty environment to create wraps. The problem is with, with a lot of these housings, Um, wraps become kind of difficult to design properly. And, but if we could wrap a filter with a quick, you you know what I'm thinking of when I used to race motocross, um, if we had a really, if we had a really muddy day, we used to to have stick on goggle screens for your goggles. And I might have six screens on my goggle and I would just reach up and tear one off when I got too muddy. And then the next one would get muddy, and I'd reach up and tear that one off, and you would hope you had enough of them to get through the, the moto. Kind of the same thing. You, you have an hell, easily Kevin, changed but, wrap that you can have a bunch of because they're cheap, and maybe you just keep changing a wrap.
4: But there's nothing new in this world, Kevin. Hell, 40 years ago when I was working on and Stratton lawnmowers, they had a wrap to go know, around here. For. You're right. Yeah,
0: exactly. I remember yeah, those, too. Yeah, so
4: it's nothing new in this world. It, 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 just, it, yeah. yeah, exactly. So... Anyway, it's just a solution, and I can't facilitate it for anybody. But I think I, I would if it was my problem. I definitely would be on the phone, and within a week, I'd have a part number of an air filter housing and a inner filter, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it.
0: Interesting thought. Thank you, uh, Joel. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful today. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm on my way home, so uh, I'm happy. Heading to the house. Where you been?
5: Oh, down in Greensboro at Volvo headquarters most of the week was doing just a, a lot of really interesting stuff. They expanded their test track from, I think the original test track was maybe two miles, and I, I think they said they're at like six miles now, the, oh, nice. the total length of the track. Yeah. Yeah, and spent a lot of time in the electric trucks, spent a lot of time in some European cab overs. Nice. Um, Got to run some new pre-production technology out on the tracks and talk with the
0: engineering teams. Uh, We've also done, and... and, I I was just going to say, what what, right off the top of your head, what was the most exciting or interesting thing you saw?
5: um, If you've never driven an electric truck, it It will blow you away. I, I, they are just
0: super. <laughs> I kind had a feeling i I've said this they've they've still got lots of problems. We know that. They're not ready for prime time though yes. the, the way the government is screwing yes. this up is pissing me off. But I've always said i I, yes. I think we all have to open up our eyes to this technology at least it It has incredible oh, potential uh, in a lot of ways.
5: There is no doubt. They have a 7% grade with a curve on it, and you take that electric truck, <laughs> you and have to you, slow you hit down that for 7% the curve, grade right? like it's not even there. Yeah, that, that is exactly right. It's, uh, there is no doubt as that technology matures, it is going to displace diesel, and rightfully so, and it should, and nobody should be disappointed by that. It is just stupendous to drive Um, from a driver's point of view, much, much better than any diesel could ever be. Wow. Um, And and I like my diesel engine, but it it is stupendous. I really, really enjoyed the the time I got to spend on, on some of that stuff.
0: So were you aware of, of like the specs on that particular truck? Like how many motors, horsepower got any numbers for us?
5: Uh well,
0: I not a lot that
5: I can share, but I can okay. tell you it's more of a traditional. It goes through a two-speed I-shift and okay. it has a, a regular axle in back. It's not direct drive stuff and uh there are some advantages, believe it or not, to running through a transmission. Yeah, there they probably explained are. Explained to me right. and it was it was just really interesting. Uh but um I think I I yeah. Honestly, I was shocked. Bet. <laughs> I was like, wow, bet. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is really good. That's so, pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of guys are, are just, you know, no way electric and it's bullshit. It is not. It is the real deal. It is not ready yet. You are 100% right. It will be a while before it is ready, but you will not be disappointed when it is. So, uh, uh, very cool stuff. Nice. I also, also done some stuff with a. Um, traditional media publication, why I was down there. I can't give out any names or details of this yet. Uh, I can give you a little bit of information. And this was, this was really cool. I had a lot of fun doing this. So, Volvo has the original uh, VN, uh, they call it their P truck. It was their, their truck they developed for the release of the VNL. It's a 1996. And check out the spec on this thing. It was a. 425 this is a d12 it was a 425 1650 okay. which is kind of forward thinking for 96 yeah number most of like the 60 series Detroits were 51550 or in that right. neighborhood right so as we know hor- horsepower is calculated so when you have low horsepower and high torque that means we make a lot of horsepower down low something Volvo's always been famous for. It had a 14-speed manual transmission. I don't remember that. We, we, yeah, no, because they couldn't get anybody here in the States to bite on it. Um, it's I don't even like remember reading a Super about 10, it. Fully synchronized, 14-speed, uh, um, has the deep reduction crawler. This one was a direct drive, 14-speed. With a two eighty five rear end gear in a nineteen ninety six,
0: I'd like to have one of those. And they, <laughs> can I get one? <laughs> it, just, it
5: was just an awesome little truck. Yeah. Well, and when when you look at that when you look at that truck right next to mine, you can see that that thought process progression and how far ahead Volvo was at in ninety six. And none of us I got mean it. That thing. Well, and and. I, the thing of it is they took it The to fleets. They went all over the place with it. People go, oh, a 285 rear end gear. There's no way we're touching that. You know, they just,
0: Two, nobody would do it. 2000, <laughs> so, 2001, so, when I built my first kind of really high tech, you know, all kinds of new technology kind of stuff. I built a freight liner at the time because I wanted the Detroit. I looked hard at Volvo and I couldn't figure out how to spec one right. I didn't, I didn't understand the engine and I I didn't even, I don't remember seeing the 14 speed and I kind of gave up on it. I'm thinking about that now, looking at it going, man, give me (laughs) me three or four of those right now.
5: (laughs) Yeah. So, so all the things that we like to, Pat ourselves on the back for thinking we were first yeah. with that. We done this. And we done <laughs> shit. They had it figured <laughs> out before
0: we did. And, and I, that truck has a thousand miles on it. Oh, and I was dogging that thing back then. <laughs> I was telling people, don't even think about uh, that uh, D twelve. Yeah, yeah. It won't yep. pull. It won't get fuel mileage. Well, I can't figure you, them you out. You know what?
5: Rightfully so, because what they done, because you know they the it was a fully synchronized 14 speed that had a, a funky shift pattern that people just couldn't get their mind around. <laughs> so at that point they had to go with the American transmission and uh, you know the that traditional the gear ratio, right. and that that is exactly what's the problem. Because well, you and I said that we for ran years. this thing. Hmm? Yes, yes, we ran this truck head to head with my truck, and I had a media person that put himself through CDL school and he recorded it, the whole thing through, and this is all going to come out on a video. Literally, his first trip out of CDL school, he was in my truck. We ran from Greensboro um, up Fancy Gap up to Dublin, Virginia, to the factory and back with flatbeds. They were loaded to 60,000 pounds. It was supposed to be 74, but. The other testers grabbed the wrong trailer, so we were stuck with the 60,000-pound <laughs> the gross trailers. Um, and the, the results were, I, I, I drove the hell out of that little red truck. Yeah. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> nice. I, I put up some monster numbers for that thing. Uh, shocking how good the numbers were for that uh, the engineers at all, you know, kind of made bets what we were going to come back with on the red truck, and I, I blew everything out of the water what they thought. But, uh, wow, it's going to be interesting when this video comes out and the results are out, and it, it's going to show fuel efficiency, productivity, driver skill level, workload, all that type of thing is going to be considered in this. And as good as that little truck was with the specs that it had you have a real hard time making a case for that type of truck, uh, you know, based on this run that we just done. Right. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool stuff, though. I had a, had a hell of a good time, met a lot of interesting people, some, some people on the engineering staff that I hadn't had a a chance to talk to. So we had some, some really neat conversations. Very cool. We all did listen to Tuesday's show and you? you were asking about, yeah double overdrive and single overdrive and how deep it's not necessarily how far you stretch that overdrive out it could be 0.78 it could be 0.63 that doesn't really it is the actual transmission construction the dual counter shafts with auxiliary sections are always going to have problems with efficiency, just the amount of lube they have in there. Uh, the great example, one of the guys was standing in there and he started chuckling. He goes, yeah, he goes, look at the Mac. It had triple countershafts in it, not duals, triples, and very, (laughs) very, very durable. That transmission, (laughs) the dual countershaft and triple countershafts were designed at a time when durability was much more important than fuel efficiency. Nobody cared about, you know, pollution and whatnot, so... Um, a very durable transmission, not the most efficient solution out there. And uh, so uh, y- your question, I think, was spot on when, when you stop and think about, you know, I get Fuller made actually a triple overdrive deal to put in like cement mixers and whatnot that would have like uh, 625 oh, rear yeah, gear. Right. Yeah. And they needed to get highway speed, but they were just awful in terms of efficiency because now you had three overdrive gears, and you're really, you know, power flow and and the amount of oil in there. Yeah. And you're turning all these gears. Yeah, it's it crazy. And 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 the Mac, and that's why Mac, I think, quit making the triple counter shaft transmission altogether it just became very tough to meet, you know, what right. EPA is wanting right. in terms of efficiency and emissions and and uh, so it got a little crazy. But there are there is one manufacturer, um, Fuller or Eaton, they are still making in the endurant, it is dual countershafts. But they got rid of the auxiliary section, went to a planetary just like all the other European manufacturers. So they got rid of that big power drag, and they went from straight cut gears, which most people will tell you are more efficient, and they are if you're comparing a gear that is size for size, but you have to make straight cut gears bigger to carry the power, so they went to a helical cut gear shrunk the gear down because it it, it carries more power and they actually get very nice efficiency ratings out of a dual counter shaft with a planetary auxiliary um however you are always going to have slightly more drag and and the shift quality is going to feel different between a dual counter shaft and a very fast snappy performance yeah. you can get out of a so, single counter shaft transmission.
0: The no. other question on mm-hmm. that transmission model or line, are they doing anything about deeper mm-hmm. reduction?
5: Uh, on the Endurance, they 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 have to a certain degree, but you have to keep in mind their customer base right. is essentially right. Cummins. It's it's Cummins, Eaton, and Packard, and... Uh, you know, it's still my contention that neither one of those companies wants you running their engines at right. extremely low RPM all the
0: time. So they don't need uh, those I, I, deeper so, gears.
5: I, I, they, they do not. They, they get a little bit more aggressive on the overdrive gear, and they did get a little bit deeper, somewhat deeper on the... Uh, so it is an improvement. There's no doubt that Endurance is a very respectable transmission. I still don't think it's in the class of the I-Shift or the, the uh,
0: Detroit right. or the DT-12 um, because speaking they are of, true single-counter shaft designs. Speaking of mm-hmm. uh, Detroit, uh, say good morning to Henry.
2: Good morning. Hey. Hey.
0: Good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh,
6: a little bit running behind today getting on. I was preparing to... Uh,
0: celebrate this socialist weekend oh boy now we're now you're gonna stick your foot in it yeah yeah
2: (laughs) well it's labor day after all right
0: that's right labor day
2: coming
0: up that's right uh don't get me started on on uh socialist communists we uh, were either one of you listening to my open this morning I did not catch your opening. I was
5: checking out of, oh, and wait a second. I just want to let you know before I say this, and I got my hand up in the air. I am part of the problem. I hauled oh, yeah. a Schneider. I, I hauled that. a Schneider power only load into Amazon. So I am Whoa, double the problem. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you didn't disguise and yourself in your I'm truck while you were that. doing this.
4: <laughs> hey, it's Joel,
0: and on top
6: of that, you drive one of them new trucks with them automatic transmissions, So there, you got three. And
5: that's right, I. And,
0: and it's a plastic Volvo. Come on,
5: <laughs> that's that's right. I just hang in my head in shame you all the way up be. today. Gosh, <laughs> on white based single tires. Yes, but, but you yeah. know, there's a yeah, there's a and and it's a six by two. Yeah, that too. goofy that's six a, by two, truck, right?
3: But, that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yeah. and then and then on top of that, you probably have that collision mitigation equipment on there hey, too. Uh, I, I, it, it's all on here because I don't know how to drive.
0: And, and talk <laughs> and, about and you a girl Don't truck. even turn on your CB. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> talk about a girl truck. I, I, I it's purple. I was listening earlier.
0: Yeah, on top of all. Hey, <laughs> I, I hey, was, hey Joel, I have a question for earlier, you. you. know when, uh, Joel, I have a serious question ahead. for you here. Do those? to those? Purple plastic Volvos come with those little flowers you can put in the cup holder like Volkswagen Beetles do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all yeah. over my truck. I, I bet. Yeah, it. <laughs> you know, they got those little flower pots for the Beetle that comes right uh, in your cup holder. I'm sure Volvo must yeah, offer ahead that. Go Go ahead and kick Did me.
6: That, Go ahead. what it was, was? I thought the truck played Barney theme music every time you turn on the radio. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, no, every now, time you turn that's the That's when you
0: press the... <laughs> yeah. When you press the starter button, it plays Barney. Uh, yeah. That is funny. So,
5: when you
6: were talking about transmissions earlier, the one part that, you know, like dual counter shaft just sounds so strong and robust, and, and it is... Yep. That wasn't the purpose in it. The purpose was to be able to make the transmissions shorter so they would fit in a short-wheel-based
5: cracker box cab over application with a tandem axle. That oh, definitely part of it, the, uh, the packaging of it. There's, there's no doubt about it.
6: And, and now with conventionals, and the, there's, there's no need to... To keep the transmission as short as they once did it. Because when you look in racing where they ask for durability out of a transmission, you know, because they're kind of hard on them at times, they don't start going to dual countershafts and stuff. It's, it's not part of the equation.
5: The, the only, the, the big advantage of a dual countershaft transmission in a truck with an air ride suspension is that dual countershaft is less susceptible to thrust loading when you get frame rise. And it's it's a little more durable if your ride height's out of whack. A single countershaft shaft transmission, you know, when you're on a, 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 a torque reactive suspension that's not leveled correctly can give you some fits um, in terms of durability and longevity. You keep the suspension leveled you're absolutely fine. Even with the torque reactivity and the suspension, as long as you keep it leveled, you're fine. And that's that is the big advantage. It's why Mac had a triple counter shaft. They done a lot of vocational work. You'd you know get those trucks on goofy grades and get them all twisted this way and that way. And a triple counter shaft has, you know, is almost impervious to thrust loading because you're spreading that 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 input thrust out over three counter shafts. And it's uh, it, it, it makes for a, a very, very durable transmission in that regard. But in on highway application, it's why you don't see the Mac triple countershaft, shaft or you didn't. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right, Henry. There's, there's no other really big durability gains besides that, that potential for thrust load. But it sounds good to have Two oh yeah, it sounds it it sounds cool. Yeah, I got two counter shafts and I got an auxiliary section and yada 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 yeah. Yeah, it probably raises your testosterone level fifty points, I suppose.
6: There <laughs> that you might go. make up for driving a plastic Well, you you drive a plastic truck. I drive a tougher <laughs> <War> truck. <laughs> a tougher <fire> truck. <laughs> there you <come>. go. <laughs>
5: But, Kevin, I got a a kind of a unique way of looking at this. You know, you guys were talking about, you know, freight being a commodity and uh, shrink-wrapped, palletized freight that that you want to stay away from. And, uh, look, I do both. I do specialized stuff with my direct customer, which is very specialized. And, you know, I am efficient enough where I can get out and I can roll palletized freight down the road without any problem at all. So when I hear... When I hear super truckers say I won't start my truck for anything less than seven dollars a mile, and I only do specialized freight, there is nothing wrong with that. I get that, but to me that just says, okay, you don't have a handle on your efficiency, or those words would never come out of your mouth. Exactly. So I get it if you if you have a W nine that gets you know four and a half five miles a gallon. And probably the only way you're going to make it is to do specialized stuff. It's the only That's way it's going to happen. Point. You're right. Special, special, specialized freight is great, but you have to understand there's, it limits your opportunity out in the marketplace. And, and if something goes wrong, you can put yourself in a real pickle if your truck isn't efficient enough to go out and run, you know, in quotes, cheap freight, palletized freight. Um, I have no problem doing that and making money. Joe, you know the um, most. I know guys lose their
0: friggin' mind. Yeah, they do. You know yep. the most go ironic ahead. part about this, though? Even the scenario you just said, you've got a big classic that gets mm-hmm. four and a half miles to the gallon. You have to go out mm-hmm. and get good paying freight just to make it. So their statements are, are true. <laughs> they, they can't pull that kind of freight or they're going to go broke. That doesn't mean <laughs> that that is cheap freight. There is somebody that can profit from that freight, and you're one of them. But here's the here's the most crazy you're thing. You're exactly right. Okay, that's your model. Mm-hmm. I get it. You get four and a half miles to the gallon, you get $4 a mile, and you're doing okay. And you, you can't pull that kind of freight. So it's actually a smart decision on your part. I'll give you that. But mm-hmm. you are missing one of the biggest opportunities because at four and a half miles to the gallon, every tenth we get you is a huge bonus program. Why wouldn't you just go after that money? It it, it is. And the other part
5: of it from the business aspect is, and I have a very hard time with this. um, I, you know, I believe totally in working smarter and not harder. Now, obviously money can, can make the difference on how hard you want to work. If the money's right, you're willing to do some extra things, but you know, just think of it from the business perspective. The absolute largest market is that commoditized drive-in freight. Yeah, absolutely. There is more of that than anything that's, else out there. That's why it's so a commodity. Why it's, oh, it's okay. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's just so it's, much It's great of to focus on a specialized market. But, look, we all know, and you know this, I know this, Henry knows this, nothing stays the same in trucking, nothing. And you might like, just like my my direct customer, I may have the greatest direct customer in the world. Somebody may come in there tomorrow and just undercut the hell out of that. And I might be out the door. If I am, guess what? I can run power only and I'm still going to be just fine. Yeah. So yeah. it it gives you it gives you so much more opportunity, and it's really safety. That efficiency is safety for your small business. It it truly is because you <laughs> can literally do anything out there and still make it. it one of the and, issues, and
6: what's important,
5: Go ahead, Joel, you,
6: you need to make sure that you're transparent about your efficiency to those brokers when you're dealing
5: with
0: them.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, so, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, man. So we don't we don't want to be be ripping the brokers off. So that's the first thing I do. I say, Hey, listen, that load coming back from North Carolina to Ohio, it paid eleven hundred dollars. Listen, I get ten point two five miles a gallon, I'll do it for six fifty because I don't wanna take advantage of you. Yeah. 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 That's
0: what happens. Two things interesting about this that has come out of these recent spaces we've been doing that are, are get, they're kind of, they're fun. Um, they get a little wild that one of the issues that kept coming up over and over, you guys might've been on one of these calls. Um, (laughs) this idea of there's no barriers to getting into this business and, and we're just, it's, driving the rates down and we have these people that just buy a truck, go into business. There's no barriers. It's just so easy. I, good. All right. Good. Mm-hmm. That's how business should be. I've always said that. But now all of a sudden, one of their new issues, and they're always, well, this race to the bottom is not safe. We're going to kill people and, and you're so irresponsible. And uh, all right, whatever. Um, yeah. But then, then the next issue that comes up, oh, my God, these brokers won't even put a load on you if you don't have a roadside inspection. And I said, oh, you mean they're putting up a barrier to entry that, that has to do with safety? <laughs> and you're, you want to run to the government and get them to stop. Are you guys insane? So, Can you not hear what you're that, saying?
7: Yeah,
5: uh, they don't.
0: Well, it's, it's just a blame game.
5: I, I, literally, you want to blame, and, and I, I hate to use this word, but it's probably fitting. You want to blame your incompetence on somebody else. Yes, that's the exactly right. The reason I right. don't succeed is everybody else's fault. I'm entitled to $18 a mile on everything I haul, or it's bullshit, and it's, 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 every, it's the government. <laughs> it's the guys that actually get it done and are efficient they're the real sons of bitches out there because, you know, they're, they're hauling freight so cheap. I can't make it. With my W9, with my 8,000-horsepower cat and 30-speed transmission, I can't do it, you know? And 24 tall. It's,
0: it's,
3: um, it's asinine. Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. It, yeah. So, TJ
0: yesterday, yep. TJ was just antagonizing the hell out of these guys. And he was doing it in a really, really calm way. TJ is, you know, TJ mm-hmm. started with one truck. Uh, he's got 80 trucks, three sure. terminals awesome operation is so unique. He's a wine distributor. He's got a brokerage. You know, I said, I talked to and about TJ a lot because I think he's got a really cool perspective on all of these issues Mm -hmm. we talk about for this reason. He started as a single truck owner operator. He built that fleet, Mm -hmm. created a distributorship, Mm -hmm. created a brokerage. And with his Mm -hmm. operation now, He has the perspective Mm -hmm. of an owner-operator, a carrier, a broker, and a shipper and receiver. He hires other trucking companies to move Mm -hmm. loads between his terminals. So he's also a shipper and a receiver. And I thought, who would have a better perspective Mm -hmm. on all of this stuff than this guy? He sees it from every angle. So correct. And he's correct. He's, he's got to blow the hell out of the mist that these exactly. operators dream up while they're driving down does, the road. Right. Yeah. And he does. And here's what he was doing yesterday. He was just using extreme examples just to antagonize people. I, examples like 80 cent freight yeah, I put it on my trucks quite a bit. Why wouldn't I? It's either zero yeah. to reposition this equipment, or if I can get 80 cent freight yeah. that actually meets my schedule, why wouldn't I? They were losing their yeah. mind. And then he said, look, yeah. I've got some pretty interesting freight because it's wine and the, the, the shippers he works with. These these are vineyards, They're not places with big docks that ship stuff all the time. They know nothing about trucking. So they trust Mm -hmm. TJ to come in and manage their trucking for them. They're like, he's like a third party Mm -hmm. whole logistics provider. So he said, sure, I will tell you right now, there are deals where I negotiated $10,000 to handle these shipments and I will pay out Mm 5,000 to the carriers to get it done. And they lost mm-hmm. their mind. 50%. See, yeah. we told you, we told you brokers are keeping 50%. Uh, you, you know what? And
5: four and <laughs> power to us. Yes, them. absolutely. You know, he went and, out and he but, done the work that but, these guys are too damn lazy or they don't know how to do, and they think they
0: deserve all the money for their lack of knowledge. Give me a break. Then here's the thing. If so, you didn't know that he got the 10000 that five thousand was a killer means. rate. This was oh, not garbage freight. This that that five thousand yes. dollar run was the stuff you would love to get every day. It's really good stuff. Yes,
5: yes, absolutely.
0: Right, hundred percent, absolutely but agree minute, with that. If it works,
5: the, if the, <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh, they're making more money than I am. Right, the, you know, you you have to go to jail for that. Yeah,
0: yeah. give me a break. Yeah, I mean, well, we, give me a break. We I we That's actually the, had a guy yesterday. I spent a lot of time talking to him, and he was drop dead serious that he wants brokers capped to five or six percent. Well, you can't even operate a brokerage on that margin; can't do it. And we tried you know, to tell would, him this. You that's would not communism. You, what the hell are you thinking? Yes, you would not.
5: You would not want to deal with a broker no. that had capped. Because look what happens Look what happens in in and like. The yugos that they built. You remember when they came over here, coming out of a yes. communist country? Everybody gets paid the same on the assembly line. There's nobody's better, and you get a complete piece of a, shit. It became a joke, and that's the same thing that would happen. A dispatch and brokers uh, freight would become such a a almost impossible oh, right. thing to deal with if you cap now, you cap people's. Now you want? Because they're it. just going to say, "I'm not." You want to hear the really funny the stress
0: part and the headache that this is. OK, um, I want to go find this. So we had a long conversation with him. He said it many times. He posted it that, you know, these these brokers should be capped to five or six percent. Then when I when we really tried to nail him down on it, uh, then it was, well, not all brokers would need to be limited. Oh, well, how are you going to do that? I, come on. I mean, it, it goes from, you know, stupid to ridiculous. Um, but I, I want to read you after we had this argument all yesterday afternoon. Here is um, what he posted this morning. You'll find this. i are going to get his wording on this. I could summarize it for you, but man, is Twitter getting active? I can't find anything stuff piling up on me here. Basically, since I can't find it, I'm just going to. Um, tell you what he kind of what he posted this morning. He said, came on and said, all right, I, I'm on a load today. Uh, he's a car hauler, by the way, so don't be too shocked by this. And it was short. It was 85 miles. Mm-hmm. But he's on a load today at $14 a mile.
3: Sure. And he, he wants well.
0: brokers limited to 6%. I asked him yesterday what a reasonable rate for him would be. What, what is fair for you? And it, if I remember right, it was somewhere between 4 and $5 a mile. For car haulers, that's hey, yeah, all right. Go, go shoot for that if you whoa, want. Well, wait a second. And, wait a second, Kevin. Why? Since, since he's a truck
5: driver going to cap a broker, let's have the brokers cap the truck drivers. Of course.
3: Great. Oh, hell no.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about it, though. Here's a guy, a truck driver, going to cap a broker, because he knows everything about brokering, obviously all the expenses, everything involved. So if that's fair, let's turn it around and have the brokers it, cap us.
0: So let me read right? you. Let me read yeah, you right. this. Um, <laughs> let, let me read you his post. So it says, "I did a run yesterday for fourteen dollars a mile. Eighty-five miles paid me twelve hundred dollars. Don't settle for crumbs, y'all. Do you know why parrots have newspapers under them? All they do is shit all over everything." That's a reference to the people that oh. that just keep saying the same stuff over and over and over about you know it's a free market. And, ah. They're they're just all parrots that are shitting all over themselves. He wants somebody capped to six percent and then brags about getting fourteen dollars to the mile when he told me four or
5: five is enough. Uh, it, it, no consistency in the argument. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's you know. Honestly, it's it's a guy like this is it's part of the issue because there's no consistency in the thought process.
0: You know, there. I, uh, I congratulated him on getting such of, an awesome rate.
5: Yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Specialized equipment like that. Look at the overhead he has involved and have an own you know, specialized equipment that can't do anything else. You absolutely
0: have to have that rate. And well, let's think about something else that I had done. Let me, let's think about something mm-hmm. else. This pays that we know why this pays so high. It was 85 miles. The The both ends sure. of a car hauler are very time consuming, right? You don't just back up to a dock and have somebody yes. pull two pallets off.
2: Yes. So in <laughs> an course. 85
0: mile run with a car hauler, You've got a lot of time into this, so it should pay $14 a mile. But when you start asking yes. any kind of rate to be capped, what's going to happen to a load like this? Nobody's going to oh, be able to uh-huh. pull it. I'm not this up,
5: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be horrible. One of the things that me and Alec are working on, we took the tat averages for dry van, reefer, and flatbed, of course, reefer and flatbed national averages are always higher. Then we went in and looked at the tree fuel mileage for what's average and then took my fuel mileage. We're going to stamp it on top of the average dry van rate and then compare that to the flatbed and reefer guys who are always heavier. Their fuel mileage, we know what the averages are through tree, and then kind of work through that and see... But- Okay, so you make thirty cents more a
0: mile than I do, but at the end of the day, who's keeping more money? You are, I can guarantee it. But Joel, Joel, <laughs> absolutely. Why, but, but Joel, why should mm-hmm. I have to work hard and invest money to lower my cost? Why can't the rates just cover it? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
5: That's why the answer you get. About right? Why, 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 why should I have to yes, work why, at why, this why, and lower why, my yeah. cost? Well, you shouldn't, and you don't have to. You can be a company driver, and that's where you should be. If that's your answer. That's where you need to be. Honestly, I mean, it sounds no, you're funny, right. No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right, and you're saying that. You should be a company driver, and then you don't have to worry about
0: any of that. Let somebody else worry about those things that understand business and just drive the damn truck. And I'm sure once you become a company driver, you won't have anything to complain about then. Oh, no, of course not.
5: <laughs> of course not. No, no. But I, I mean, literally, if, if that is if that's the feedback you're getting, say the solution is you should be a company driver. And honestly, that is the solution in that case. It is. If you don't understand why yeah. you need to focus on running a business and being efficient, you need to be a company driver. It,
0: you know, it, it. here's what it reminds me of. And when you try to tell these guys, they freak out. This is no different than what we all complain about in schools. Everybody gets a trophy. That's what you guys are asking for. You're asking for everybody to win. You want the playing field level so the outcomes are all the same. That's bullshit. That's communism. We don't want outcomes equal. We want opportunities (laughs) equal. That's all I'm asking for. Just, just don't lock me out of and, and some they, opportunity you know with a what? bunch of goofy oh, regulations. You, I don't want a guaranteed He's outcome. Correct, yes.
5: Right, correct. I agree.
0: Uh, I, I I'm agree. Just, in this conversation,
6: I'm just happy to find out that there's more people that are a problem like TJ instead of just me
0: and Joel. Oh, no, TJ. TJ is going to single-handedly destroy the entire industry. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> oh, oh shoot! Wait, that what, what a weight that is off our shoulders, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just not us screwing everything. Up. That's right. Yeah, there's a it, well. Um, it's, it's all the it's all the parrots that just listen to me, I guess. So Shit
6: Kevin, all over. Everything. I had to, you know,
5: I had to drop a trailer today and I am running home without a trailer, you know, and I just don't think it was right that I had to sit down and figure out, do I need to be home at a certain time? If not, should I run 10 mile an hour slower? Should I speed? I, I I just don't think I should have to manage my time. I should be able to just put the cruise control and really go wherever the hell I want and drop my freight wherever I, why why do they even tell, give us addresses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, when I, when I asked about, when I asked this same person about limiting their profit, the way they want the broker limited here was their answer. And it, all it tells you they have zero understanding of business. He made the statement, mm-hmm. my income is regulated. I can only work 70 hours. And I said, wrong. Wrong. Your income is not regulated, Jesus. your work time is regulated. That's a big it's big regulated. difference. You can you can regulate my work mm-hmm. hours all you want and I can go be wildly profitable. Nobody is capping my profit yes. by capping my work hours. Yep. Yep. And my God, let, let's be real about uh, this. It, do, I, I love to work hard. I've worked hard my whole life, but I don't want to go argue that I need to work more than 70 hours a week. Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should be, as an industry, as, as
5: owner-operators, we should actually be happy when brokers do better. Of course. We really should
0: be. Oh, by the way, did you hear some of the headlines this morning? I'm, I'm a little worried. I did not. Convoy, OTR Solutions, the factoring mm-hmm. company. Went mm-hmm. to Convoy and said, Hey, you've got a half a million dollar bill with us. We need to pay you to pay down two hundred thousand dollars of it. <laughs> and Convoy said, uh-huh. Sorry, we can't. That's that's a problem. Two, that's I, not a the the of thing's all that much money. <laughs> I, I, I made the statement we're a ten person company. If I had to pay down a two hundred thousand dollar debt, I could write the check for it today. Right, and and I'm not bragging. Right. I think that a company my size, if I no. didn't have $200,000, I would be worried. That's not a lot of money. Uh, we would tend, Yeah, no, right. No, I, I agree.
1: I agree. And, for and,
0: 10 people, yeah. And Convoy got several rounds of hundreds of millions of dollars in seed money, and they can't pay down it. And then OTR Solutions, this is part of their contract because this is a financial arrangement. In the contract, it says that OTR Solutions has the authority to audit Convoy's books. They both agreed to it. It's in the contract.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: OTR mm-hmm. said, hey, if you can't pay $200,000, we're a little worried. We'd like to do an audit. <laughs> and Convoy said, no. Uh-huh. Oh. huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <the> problem. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
5: That's a little wow. scary. Wow. Well— we have to bring our resident geek in on that one. Is Alec is Alec on? Um, no. Yes, we could... I'm here. Oh, there you are. Great. Geek, yeah, geek, yeah.
3: Geeking away.
5: <laughs> yeah. Did, did you catch um,
3: all that? Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I, I got it write, right right all the way back to plastic trucks versus Tupperware, <laughs> and oh uh, <Gotcha. laughs> so, yeah. You know, I want to. You know, I I heard what was said about uh, the fourteen dollars and everything else, and the people whining about that. I'm going to say something a little controversial, as bad as what TJ said. If you can't make it in today's market, you know, we took a lot of grief for Joel posting about the, his power only load from Ohio down to North Carolina. I love it. How, you know, at 280 a mile, we were, we were a bunch of horse <laughs> you know, so if, if you can't make it today and notwithstanding the fact that you can go get a job as a company driver, which is a very good solution. But then, you know what, if you can't make it today, you probably shouldn't be as an owner-operator in the first place. And so hey, hey, do hey, yourself Alec, a favor, you're, cut you're, the stress. You're a little too polite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you kind of soft-pedaled that a little <laughs> bit, but that's all right.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, you know where I'm going with it. Right, I'm, right. You know, I, I don't want to get too many people hackled up. But I know. You know what? We, we should call the herd. You yes. know if the yes. Darwin had it right. If you can't survive, then you don't belong here. It's that simple. If you don't have the requisite business training and, and, I, you know, accounting is not exciting, let's be honest. But, you know, doing a spreadsheet, showing profitability and getting 10.79 miles to the gallon for the month, that's all good stuff. Yeah. If you're not getting it, you probably shouldn't be here. Yeah, I agree. Unless you're hauling cars.
0: And here's the beauty. We don't have to go. We we don't. None of us are screaming to for some government regulation to put these people out of business now because they're they're not (laughs) going to make it. We know they're not going to make it. We're not going to go to the government and scream. There's already a system in place. The free market will call them. Right. Yes.
5: Right. Yes.
0: And the other the other thing that I I just find amazing when and,
5: and I purposely do not talk about rates and social media often because it turns into this big shit storm (laughs) with, you know, people like, Oh, that's crazy. So you get these guys that are in very specialized lines of work, you know, commenting on a power only post, which is a little odd in itself. And it's like, they don't understand that they're in an entirely different segment with entirely different demands. I had a small fleet operator just ripping my ass to shreds over this and he's like, oh, well, I routinely get, you know, like $4.75 a mile for the same thing that I've done for two eighty six. Well, you need that because you have overhead, <laughs> you have buildings, you have a shop, you You're have correct. trailers, right. you have all these things. And at the end of the day, I most likely made more money than you did.
0: Uh, I'm almost so positive I, you did. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's
5: just crazy well, shit. People don't understand this and... You know the guys that are going, I won't start my truck for 350 a mile or you know, five bucks a mile, whatever that number is that they pull out of their ass. That, that's fine, but you probably have overhead, like we talked about, where you absolutely have to have that to survive. I don't, I'm gonna run what makes me money, and
3: I guess that's that. There you go, been well, saying it for years. Just, let me not add insult to injury to that. Go ahead, <laughs> so th- that power only load, um, we went something like 32 miles out of route we were going south anyway so it was it was a little extra gravy it was very little miles out of route you know that put us over ten dollars a mile incrementally right uh, why would you not take that load I, that's You'd the be question a fool if you right didn't there. and it was only that, what a, a seven thousand what is it it was five thousand pounds, 7, or something pounds. Yeah, 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 or something. yeah 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 I mean, I mean, and that load really cost us a lot of money. When he hit the rain, it brought us just under eleven miles to the gallon. What do I know?
0: So here's a comment from Matt Uh, about this topic. Matt says four dollar a mile mm -hmm. freight in my operation is three dollars a mile net.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So somebody that has their, has their poop in a group, it, I right. mean, you, right. you do very, yeah. very well. And, yeah. and the, the other thing that this this one guy kept saying, I've made millions in this industry. And I'm thinking about, well, as a company driver for 35 years, guess what? I made millions, too, just Correct. as a company driver. I right. Mean, right. So so what? You made millions. What what the hell does that prove? <laughs> Anybody with 10 trucks makes millions. But how much did you keep? Well, you, you know, know I, I,
0: I, I just uh, operations like Yellow make hundreds of millions of dollars and on a good year will profit <laughs> two cents a
3: mile. On a good year. Mm. Correct. Oh. Yes. Well yes, uh, on that point the atri average is 8% last year um on profitability that's the operating margin 8% for carriers right so yeah if you're at uh, two yeah yeah for the it, for, for for fleet it, so if you're at $2 a mile freight you're looking at 16 cents
2: yeah let me let me yeah.
0: let, <laughs> let, let me talk about trucking from a, an outsider's view, if, if, if you, trucking wasn't in your blood, I mean, honestly, none of us on this call came to trucking because we thought it was a killer operation that you're going to make a ton of money on, right? Did anybody start their <laughs> career thinking that?
5: I, you know what? I didn't even give the money part a thought. I just right. love me, me too. I
0: never even thought about it. No. But if you
2: were no, to,
0: to be... I, outsider thinking I have some money to invest in, and I want to invest in a business. Let me look at trucking. It would take you about 30 minutes of research. If you knew nothing about trucking, but you understood business. Say, hell no, not no, but yep. hell no. There is no, no way yet. I'm investing my capital into a business with those kind of numbers. You do this because <laughs> yeah, you yeah. love no. this industry. No, no. I I did it to make money, Kevin. You Uh-oh. must have been the only smart one that actually saw that it was possible. <laughs> no, no. The I
6: say that, I knew what my skill sets were. I had helped run a small private fleet. I knew what... Oh, there you go. It, it, yeah. it fell with skill set and was an area that I could improve my
5: position in my career. I, you know, I done, the done the same thing here going into the, the alpha drivers and the, the testing and consulting, you know, having worked in the family business, the family fleet for, for 35 years, I was real confident I could absolutely improve my position, but Initially, starting way back in the day, I didn't even think about the money. I it, just knew that I liked it, to
0: drive a truck. Yeah, you just and went to work go, every day because it, we it was what to to I wanted to spend my time um, doing. If I have to work, this is what I'd like yeah, to yeah. do. Now,
6: now, if you're saying just driving a truck, yes, I needed a job. But when, when I decided to go on my own thank and get my own truck, that was to improve myself you. and make more money. I would have just driving somebody else's truck Lord knows it's a lot simpler just to drive somebody else's truck, and at the end of the day, it's
0: hey, <laughs> yeah. broken and turn
6: to keep up to the home.
0: Hey, I just realized, I, I think I have hey. some callers on here that have been on the show longer than I have today. I should probably get to them. Did you have something, Joel? <laughs>
5: just one thing real quick, and, and Alec has, has the information on this, why we should never, ever look at the to determine how mm. efficient your truck is running and why that doesn't make sense. And it, it, we were talking oh. about these numbers. Hey, let, it's a little mind-blowing. Let um, let's come back to, to that. see that how, how much those numbers can be
0: thrown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let, let's yeah, come back absolutely. to that. Uh, let's gra- yeah. we'll, we've got two calls. We'll grab them. Paul, welcome. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, why do I have 48 minutes? I'll be on hold. Uh
0: Actually, <laughs> according to my system, I think it was 57. And oh. and Bill's got you beat by a minute. He's been here fifty eight. I'm not sure I've been here that long.
7: Okay, I got I got a I got a list. I my fuel price today in Texas was three dollars seventy one. Whoa! You had a call, Jerry Jerry yesterday talking about silica. Yes. Well, when I hear silica, I always think of Aussie because that's where a bunch of that shit comes from. Oh, does it? Yeah. Um, hey,
0: hey, Paul! Yeah, Paul, did you hear me talking this morning about the show yeah. Alone Australia?
7: Yeah, 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 and all those people that are probably on that show—they don't work in the silica mine.
0: No, they yeah. don't. They're a <laughs> bunch of woke weenies. I'm so disappointed with this show. Where's <laughs> Crocodile Dundee? Actually. Actually, I will
4: say there is one they contestant. Old, they probably kick their
0: ass. I, there is one contestant who probably <laughs> is Crocodile Dundee. He was an Army helicopter pilot. He was an Air Force jet pilot. The guy is a freak. Um, it's it's cold and rainy, and he decides, and I think he's got a good strategy if he can do it. There, people are freaking out. Everything's so wet they can't start a fire. Um, And these are survivalists. These people know how to do this stuff. Um, This guy said, screw the fire. Screw building a shelter. I mean, it's going to be 40 degrees and rainy. They don't get really deep winters. So he basically just took his tarp, made a little tent out of it, two open sides completely. And he said, hell with building a fire. I'll just eat everything raw. Why am I going to waste all my time and energy trying to build a shelter and a fire? There's there's very little food around here, so I, you know I'm going to put all this work in and expend all these calories, and there's not enough food to make that back up. So screw it! I'll be yeah. cold and uncomfortable, and I'll eat all my food raw. Oh,
7: oh, Ida, and I am oh Ida member but I think they only got 150,000 members now, but sometimes I I wonder why I'm still a member because just about everything they come out with, I'm against it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of why,
0: you know, I, I, I think I was a member for a year way, way, way back when I'm talking, you know, maybe early nineties and after a year, I, Hey, Joel, I don't know if you're going to remember this or not. Um, remember Mm -hmm. I think this would have been during the nineties. Sometimes do you remember Volvo having a truck with some front end issues that got some press? (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they said it swayed too much and they were going to bring
5: a lawsuit against Volvo because the truck wasn't safe to drive in their opinion. Yes,
0: And and here's one of the things that got my attention. They did a big, big write up in their magazine about these Volvo issues. And I, I was a, I was a Volvo guy back then, still am. I mean, they were sponsoring my seminars Mm -hmm. at one point. Um, So they had this big Mm write-up about what, how disaster this was, so unsafe. And on the opposite Mm -hmm. page was their special deal for a Western star.
5: (laughs) Oh, you got to love that. (laughs) Their their member discount for a Western
0: star (laughs) is opposite page of this big hit piece on Volvo. And if you remember, the whole thing revolved
5: around Volvo came out with the very set back front axle, and they were heavier out on the front. And everybody kept specking them with a 12,000 pound front axle. And they were going to bring a class action lawsuit (laughs) because it was overloaded Bobdale right out of the factory. Even though you had the option, but nobody understood that right. you could put a thirteen two and actually run thirteen two on it. So yeah, yeah they were going to bring a big loss, and that's coming from
0: a trucking publication. Yes, and they were going to. Yeah,
5: I remember and, that just as plain as day. Yeah, and yep.
0: please don't tell me that this was just a coincidence that that hit piece is right next to <laughs> your big promotion of another truck model.
5: Uh huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, coincidental, I'm sure. Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've been listening. To, I've been listening to Kevin since 2007, and in the last couple of years, he's been preaching about pay down debt, save money. Mm-hmm. I got more money in the bank now than I've ever had in my life.
0: Good timing. So,
7: and awesome. Yeah. So the I, I was listening to Spaces yesterday, but I had to make a couple of deliveries when that When that guy came on at the end. Yeah. The car hauler guy. Yeah. Well uh, he wants to cap brokers at five percent, but he's bragging that he gets twenty one dollars a mile. Well, I'm pretty sure he's twenty one dollars (laughs) a mile freight. Hey Joel, that was a going less than fifty miles. I
0: I talked about his load this morning, (laughs) that was fourteen dollars a mile, but he did tell us about a twenty one dollar a mile load he took. Uh, Yeah.
7: Jesus. Some of that stuff that goes like 30, 40 miles, right? It pays like that, but uh, of course, might, of course, it does. Yeah, time, time you go and round up the cars and all oh, this one, like a lot of those. If you're taking loads, um, loads of new stuff on a manufacturer to a car show or something, and it's like, oh, you got to be at the convention center. Oh at yeah,
0: I can imagine what 6 that's like.
7: <laughs> Monday morning, or yeah, because it's <laughs> just like well, because we got to get out. You know, there's logistics involved there. We got to get our cars here at a certain time because you all got your turn to get into the building and everything. Right. So a lot of the time, that stuff pays real good. I deadheaded mm-hmm. from Oklahoma to San Antonio one time to pick up a load that went 11 miles. So I still made <laughs> eight dollars a mile or something. Yeah. I went 500 empty. Yeah.
5: Yep. Correct. Yeah. And. And you know we run into some of that same type of stuff when i when I do furniture drops. You know we get x amount of money for every drop we do. And some of those drops, I'm in and out in under 10 minutes. And when right. you figure that hourly rate, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. But so what? I mean, yeah, you're, you're giving examples that really don't mean shit. You have to look at the day in totality and, and what you're making for the day versus if you're running. And so, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, it's kind of like it, the guy that said, I've made millions in the trucking <laughs> industry. So what?
3: <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> in the, it hey, yeah. uh,
3: Go ahead. I was just going to say, as the one who, who writes your paycheck, Joel, on a per hour basis, I'm sorry.
2: What, what stock was that exactly?
5: Yeah. <laughs> so that, oh, you know, you can, uh, you can see my yeah. in and outside. That's right. That's right.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That comp- but you know, you win some and you lose some. There you go.
6: Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. Quick, quick stop offs. And they turn into hours or mess you up that you're into the next day if it goes
0: wrong. So hey, that, hey, yes. that yes, you have, you have that as well. Hey, Joel, Alec, mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking yeah. about something, you know, we, we talk about, you know, that whole, how do we compete with big carriers and we say, well, you don't, mm-hmm. you shouldn't. Why are you even thinking that way? Go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Small carriers have to operate very, very differently, um, but I'm kind of looking at your operation mm-hmm. right now, you two, and what you're doing. I, mm-hmm. I think you guys have kind of mm-hmm. created the best of both worlds. You, you, you're taking advantage of all those small carrier um, efficiencies that you can create that fleets can't. But you're also using a lot of mm-hmm. techniques from some bigger fleets. I can see it. Absolutely. Kevin, you just yeah, up
6: it, a- yeah. on all this, and, and everybody says that there are Many people say that fleets can't do the efficiencies. And with
0: that, I think it'd be interesting on one of these Fridays to bring Clark Reed that drives for Nussbaum Because You yeah. know,
6: they kind of did it.
0: Well, you know who else? I just read another, now that you brought that up, I just posted another article yesterday. I really want to reach out to um, the owner of Mesilla Valley. And I know some people who know him. I don't know him personally. Uh, but I know some people who know him, and mm-hmm. I, I'd love to. I, I posted yesterday. We know what they're like on, on fuel mileage. I mean, my God, they are so innovative mm-hmm. over there, and, and they've been all over this for years, and they test all kinds of crazy stuff. I love that. The article yesterday, and I, you and I, Joel, have talked about this, Henry. I, I, it, they are engineering routes. They, their sales department is mm-hmm. hyper-focused on creating freight where they engineer a route, and their whole point is to get their drivers home more often. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and here's the thing. They've worked on efficiency to the point that I believe they can pull this off and a lot of carriers wouldn't be able to. Sure, but I I, I believe you want to solve a lot of driver pay issues and driver lifestyle issues. Get these guys home more
5: often. We we shoot our yes, well, we shoot ourselves in the foot a lot of times with speed because what we see is well, I'm going to get home earlier this particular day. But if you look at the cost of that speed over the course of a year, you can work a hell of a lot right. fewer days and make <laughs> the same or more money. Just stay you home just longer. Can't be looking at what's, yes, you can't be looking at what's right in front of you. And, I mean, speed is expensive. Um, you do get into some particular dedicated routes where you absolutely have to have it but I mean, for the most part, it just screws everything up. I mean, look at our capacity issue. If all the trucks slowed down, you know, capacity tightens up rates go up or it would drive our maintenance costs down. I mean, it's, it's just crazy what speed
0: costs. Yeah. You know, the way you and Alec are kind of using both models and making it fit, you know, using all the best of the really small model, but looking at some of fleet tactics that have mm-hmm. worked and you're making, and, and I don't know why I'm surprised because now that I've learned so much about your family's business, they do too. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like yes. the opposite. Yes. They, they have to do the big fleet yeah. stuff and they're good at it, but they also get down into that efficiency and productivity stuff a lot.
5: Uh, they do. It, it was, was kind of funny. Is is that I I just I don't like the big fleet aspect of it, and that right. was probably right. the biggest reason I, I jumped out. I love the efficiency part of it. So you know, I, I'm doing my thing. I still talk to my brother every day. We talk about the efficiency stuff back and forth. It's very difficult for him to come in and try to establish an internal efficiency thing to the degree that I can do it, Correct, me and Alec can right. put stuff together. Right. So, you know, we, we have that discussion. That alleviates a bunch of internal bullshit for him. They can focus on, you know, the fleet aspect and, and economies of scale. Um, uh, my brother's wife, she is just phenomenal when it comes to stacking pennies. I mean, she's as
0: good as anybody out <laughs> hey, there, and that's that's hey, a big part of their success. I, I wouldn't be standing here doing what I'm doing, and Let's Truck wouldn't be where it is without Lisa. That's her job. She She's our mm-hmm. master negotiator. She builds all the relationships with our vendors and, and, and manages to... Mm-hmm. Manages to build really good relationships while she beats them up really hard on her margins, too. She, she's, able to, she's able to balance all yeah. of that. Yeah. And awesome. when it comes to saving money, awesome. that's her, not me. Well, one
2: awesome.
6: of the tricks of that, Kevin, is when you're doing that negotiating is to make sure you keep smiling.
0: Oh, she she's we're actually going through another negotiation right now on some on the personal side on some property that uh, I just have to step back and let her do it. I I don't get it. And and she always asks when when she's doing this kind of stuff, she always asks for my opinion. And I just tell her, stop asking me. I'm not going to give it to you because anything I would tell you at this point would make things worse. You've got just go do it. Don't ask me. Just go do it.
5: (laughs) Just take care of business. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I appreciate you asking me every time, but you don't have to. I'm okay with it. Just go do it. Because she's so much better at it than I am.
6: Because I got to jump off of here soon, Kevin. Would you be interested in me bringing uh, Clark along one of these times? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. All right. I'll pass all right, I'm going to grab another call. This will probably be our last call, and then um, we're going to jump over to Twitter today. You guys uh, going to make it over there at all?
5: I, I'm going to give it a shot. I can't guarantee it, but I'm going to yeah. give it a shot. Okay. I'm uh, I'm getting close to home. I got I to gotta see what's going on as soon as I get home, but if I have
0: some free time, I, I'll absolutely be on. Got it. Good. Alec, you're always right. invited, too. And Henry, if you have time to come back.
3: Thank you. Um, Today, today, I got to leave.
0: Got it. All right. Well, uh, take some time off.
3: All right. Alec? Um, I will try to come over. I had a little difficulty last time, but uh, I'll try to come over. I
0: I, I will tell you, if you're trying to do it on a laptop or a tablet, it's awful. I I wish it were easier. It just does not play well with laptops and tablets. It it works much better on a phone. And I hate that because I hate doing anything on my Uh, phone. I'd much rather use my laptop, but you can't. Um, It's not even an option for me to host a space. I cannot start a space from a laptop or host it. I have to host it from a phone. As a listener, I think when I tried, you can get in there and listen, but we found the technology is just a mess.
5: I tried to fire that up on my iPad Pro and it said something about not optimized for your tablet and it wouldn't
0: even let me on, period. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. It it is really, really directed to the phone. So we've had two guests that tried to join us from their laptop and it worked, except every 10 minutes it would just turn off their mic. Uh, It was just bizarre. Yeah. So. Um, all right. So we're going to grab this call. Um, we'll head over there in a little bit. Bill,
2: welcome. Man, I about fell asleep waiting. How you doing? Uh, hopefully you, are you weren't driving. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, I mean, hey, hey, um, when you brought up that uh, convoy thing, you know, convoys for sale. Uh, I didn't know that. I missed that. Yes. I on freight This was about middle of August. They hired a bank for a possible strategic interest and or merger. Oh, I do remember so that. that yeah, you're me. right. You're right. Yeah. I do remember yeah. that article. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to the, uh, Volvo Gestapo, i got a question for you. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs>
2: it, hey, hey, no, you got to get uh, the
0: nomenclature right. They're the, I'm the they're...
2: plastic truck mafia. The, no, the Volvos pl- are a whole nother.
0: The plastic truck posse. There you go. Yeah. It's the plastic truck. There possible. you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you run the OPS?
0: I do not. I have a Harvard bypass filter. Which, by the way, was the oh. first bypass oh. filter I ever tried back in the 90s. And it was awesome.
2: Okay. The question, what I'm trying to find out is it's probably it, it probably wouldn't make no sense, but what's the... How long would it take to get your to make your money back for the investment you put in? Is basically what I'm trying to get at.
0: Hey Joel, what's a Harvard cost? These uh,
2: days?
5: I think
0: I had nine hundred dollars total into it. That's same as an OPS. Then for most people, that payback's about six it, months. Okay, yeah. The, the
5: The the Harvard has a bigger capacity, and it's right. a one time a year filter change. I think the filter's one hundred and forty two bucks.
0: Yeah, I, you
5: know, Joel, it's
0: it's, pretty, pretty economical thing to run. No doubt. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm going to
2: get an OPS
0: on mine. It's interesting. I only know three people who were talking about oil Mm -hmm. analysis and bypass filters way back in the 90s. Those three people are you, Mm -hmm. me and Bruce. (laughs) And every one of us started with Harvard. Uh, Harvard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they make good stuff. They, they do. Hey, you know, one of the reasons I switched, yep. um, I had a Harvard on when I was first started talking about this. I was at the uh, mm-hmm. Dallas Truck Show, and I was giving a seminar, and I was talking mm-hmm. about how much money I save with bypass filtration, and nobody had heard of it back then. This is the 90s still. Um, and I was doing oil mm-hmm. analysis, and people are like, oil, what, what the hell are you talking about? Um, so I'm giving Mm the seminar and I see this guy in the back of the room. He's all by himself way in the back and he's just taking all kinds of notes. And, uh, I get done and I I get off stage and everybody's asking me questions and he waits till everybody's gone and he walks up and it was Tom Bach from OPS. And that was how Mm -hmm. that got started. And, I I will say that my first Harvard filter, I loved it. It had the heating element, just like an OPS, had a big capacity, but it still fit Mm -hmm. in pretty nice. I had an issue and they admitted it and they were never able to solve it. When I'd first put a new filter in, I'd be fine. Anytime I broke that Mm -hmm. seal to put another filter in, the whole unit would start leaking Mm -hmm. around that top seal. And it wasn't horrible, but it was just seeping, and then you get dirt all on it, and it's just a mess. And we went through, like, three different fixes, and none of them worked. And then Tom came along with the OPS, and it was smaller and did all the same stuff, and that was the only reason I switched.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Sure, sure. Today's today's version on
5: uh, the Harvard, they can actually take the moisture out without heat now. Okay. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, so I've got no wiring, no power, no nothing to it. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, I was, you know, I was really interested. I thought, well, maybe I'll do OPS on one and a Harvard on the other and just
0: kind of run them side by side. You're not going to notice any difference. We know what the
5: answer is going to be. Right. (laughs) Right. They're going to be the same, but, um... I just, I, you know, thought about doing it, looking at just the cost, the installation, what's all involved, and everything, and and uh, just be kind of a cool thing to do, just to, to have that information out there. Yeah, Kevin, the the, the
6: simple bypass I started with, gosh, and that would have been back around 2000, was the spinner.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
6: we've
2: and even that
0: performed very well. We've even. I had a truck, My last, uh, my last Volvo with the Series sixty had an OPS and a spinner because when I bought it, it already had a spinner on it, yep. and I left it on. And I spinner always put it. an OPS. Yep. Yeah, so I've, I've run them both together. Uh, Bruce was yeah, a one of, one of the things. Big, big proponent of the spinner for years. All right. My my thing was that I had two of the
6: canisters, so what I used to do for also looking for other things because it met a lot of problems as far as, especially soot buildup in your oil. And and I used to weigh them.
0: So sure. When, yeah, when I do something, I go. just pop the one, another one. You know, I, um, I, I took a lot of heat early on in the oil bypass filter wars. Um, only because when I showed up on satellite radio, um, there was a filter that had been promoted heavily uh, prior to me even being there. Dave Nemo, a couple other shows. And, Mm -hmm. and honestly, I've made the statement that I don't care which bypass filter you use. I've tried several of them. Just pick one. They work. They'll all save you money. You'll be in an oil analysis program. You don't have to get too crazy about this. Look at them. If you like one, just use it. I had to start saying with one exception, Mm -hmm. And it was that filter that was being Uh-oh. promoted so heavily. The Gulf Coast. <laughs> I ran the numbers. It doesn't ah, gotcha. make sense. You got to change the damn filter every gotcha. ten thousand miles. Yeah, the no, filter's that, expensive. That is exactly right. And you right. have three you gallons would be of off. makeup oil.
5: Yes, yes. You would be better off just to drain five gallons of oil out every ten thousand miles and add five gallons. It'd be right. Accomplishing the same thing. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, exact same thing. (laughs) They would always say, but look at how clean my oil samples are. You're right. I'll tell you all day long, your oil samples are going to be spotless (laughs) doing this. You're replacing the oil constantly.
6: From from a cost standpoint, that's what I liked about the spinner. There was no filter.
0: Right. To replace. That one was almost no cost once you bought it. So it it did make sense. The Gulf Coast to me and... Oh, my God. If have you, have you ever changed one of those filters? <laughs> on
5: the Gulf, Gulf Coast, we had an old truck that had one on, and it was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, and that's what I was worried about on the Harvard because mine mine actually holds five gallons of oil Yeah, in right. capacity. Right. Um, but wh- but where I have it mounted, it comes and, out easy, and it's a once-a-year thing. It's not every 10,000 and- miles.
0: And, And you're not dealing with a 40-pound diaper full of oil, because that's what it was like trying to take their toilet (laughs) paper filter out of there. Yep, yep, I hear you. But they they had a lot of traction on satellite radio because of Dave Nemo, so I took a lot of heat over that one. Uh, Sure, sure. All right. Interesting. And anything we want to close with? Looks like we're going to have a uh, 1030 start time on Twitter, which is 15 minutes from now. So depending on where you are. Yeah.
5: Just the uh, have Alec maybe run over the whole oh, yeah. um, Let's do that. The thing and yeah. why that's, that's that. not a good idea to use that to judge efficiency.
3: Yeah. Alec. Well, I'll, I'll try to take this. Uh, well, I'll try to keep this uh, brief. So I'm looking at our August numbers. So over the course of the 31 days, uh, looking at it because you know we have telematics, so I separate out the fuel that is consumed to propel the vehicle down the road, and I separate the idle fuel that we burn. Nice. So for example, for the month of August, 1.9 percent of our idle, uh, excuse me, of our driving fuel went to, uh, uh, excuse me, it's a 1.9 percent idle fuel to total fuel consumed. So very low. Uh, but if you look at our uh, fuel economy for each of the days on a weighted mile basis, we come out to 10.79 for the month. But if you look at IFTA, because you know, when I look at it each day, that is a time-based standard. In other words, every single day, I've measured the previous days Fuel burned and, and all of that, and come up with a okay. fuel economy for each day. But when you look at IFTA, that is event based. It's based upon when we bought the last fuel, which, you know, in, a, in this particular case in August, we bought fuel on August 1st. So we had a full tank at some point on August 1st. And guess what? Joe also bought fuel yesterday on the last day of the month. So we have two fill ups. So in the month without miles. So if I look at my IFTA, if if I was to do an IFTA as of August 31st for the month, I would come up to 9.59. So it's 1.2 mile per gallon difference. But the bases are different. One is event-based doing IFTA, and one is time-based for basically a fuel economy uh, perspective. Right. So IFTA is a tax man's way of calculating fuel economy. It has no basis, frankly, of the way you actually run your business. So the only way you can use IFTA, or frankly, fuel gauges, which does it the same way, is to do it the way you promote it as over time, like 90 days. The longer the period, the greater the time period over which you're averaging. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's over a longer period of time. The denominator is longer. So but if you're looking at fuel economy, testing, product testing, and so on, you're much better off using telematics because that's got it dialed into the basically to the hundredths of a mile per gallon for every single day. It, so and, and it's even worse if you have 300-gallon tanks versus Joe's 150 because what some folks have tried to do and do on a regular basis because we, we can see these things in fuel gauges is some yeah. people will do 10 partials. In a month, right? And they're cherry picking, and they say, "Hey, I got 12 miles (laughs) to the gallon." (laughs) (laughs) When, when if you look if you look at their actual numbers and you know fill in all the blanks, it's also denying if they're lucky. You know what
0: the real lesson here is? It's
3: easier to skew the results.
0: I I I love this, by the way. I've (laughs) obviously never recommended looking at IFTA for much of anything other than are you buying your fuel right um but i know people that do it all the time Mm -hmm. so it's interesting i've never done the numbers like that 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 really kind of points out why um but i have an analogy here yeah something we talk about all the time Mm -hmm. and one of the things i want to say is a lot of the people who argue against our strategies and just want to yell and scream if, if they only had some basic understanding of business and some basic understanding of numbers and statistics and how they can do these things because here's a, here's another good analogy it's on the health side well and this is a true statement it takes the current doctor today 10 years to figure out that somebody is diabetic It's been proven 10 years and here's why Mm -hmm. they're using an average. They use something called a one C to determine if you're diabetic or not. And a one C is a 90 day average. So you would think, Oh, but Kevin, you talk about big numbers all the time. Right. Right. In sometimes I want to look at big numbers, but here it's a disaster because here's how people become diabetic. They're consuming too much sugar and carbs, and their high blood sugar number keeps going up. Well, if that's all that was happening, we would pick this up fairly quickly. But the way diabetes works is as your high number goes up higher and higher, your low numbers keep going lower and lower. So your average uh, doesn't change. Average doesn't change. Yeah. So the doctor every yeah. year is looking at your <laughs> A1C and going, Oh, you're doing great. You're fine. You're not diabetic. You're not even pre diabetic. (laughs) But if we were to put a continuous glucose monitor on them like we do, we'd go, Holy shit, you're full blown diabetic. No, I'm not. My A1C (laughs) is almost perfect. Yeah, because you keep Uh hitting 220 on the high side and you're hitting 40 on the low side. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's the exact same thing you're talking about here, right? Right.
5: Right, right. Yeah. yeah the yeah. numbers can be very, very misleading. And you, you see it so often out in social media. Oh, show me your Insta. Yeah. What, <laughs> what the hell good is it going to do? Well, it means absolutely yeah, right. nothing. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. Right. And the other thing yeah. is when, when you're looking at fuel gauges, it is so, so important. Look, the 306090, that's great reference material, but it's the lifetime right. that really, really matters that kind of sets the stage uh, the 30 60 90 can be manipulated in that same type of fashion. It's, yep. it's a bunch of partials, or, you know, if you done it on the first day and the last day you were empty on those, or if you were full, <laughs> it swings it the other way. Yep. So you really, you really right. have to understand what you're looking at and, <laughs> You know, a lot of guys will wear those numbers as a badge of honor, and I get it, and it is something to be proud of, and we're all happy when people do well, but remember the lifetime number. You Look know, at the lifetime number. It's important.
0: Joel, you've dealt with this um, exactly like I have, and I it, the hardest call mm-hmm. I get— I get people interested in fuel mileage, which is what I want to do. We start teaching them how to get better. And then they would call me and go, oh, my God, I did that thing you told me about. And I gained a half a mile per gallon. And I'd be like, do I <laughs> yeah. want to beat him yep, up over yep. this? And, you know, I don't really. <laughs> right. I, I, I want to encourage right. him, but I got to I, I just have to tell him, no, you didn't. No, I did. I'll show you. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I'll show you. <laughs> You got it on one tank. <laughs> there, there was
2: way too uh, we, many we,
5: variables there. We we just had mm-hmm. a, a a potential vendor approach us with a very similar thing. You know, oh, we get ten percent on this, and we start giggling at the guy, going, "There is no way in hell right. that that is possible." <laughs> Customers all the time. Okay, let's let's see their data. Let's see I how know. accurately this stuff is tracked, because you know, yeah. look some of this stuff people want to say we get 10 or 12 or 15% when in reality, 1% is a great return on investment on some of this Correct. stuff. Right. If You know, if you sit down and do the numbers, but it doesn't catch people's attention. So they want to, they want to inflate those numbers and it's to their own detriment when they do that. It, it really is. And, and it's all about, you know, stacking pennies, I guess, stacking yeah. efficiencies, When we we get we get little bitty ones and we start to put them all together and you know pretty soon we're putting up big numbers.
6: It's funny when you bring up the IFTA one. It's like all of a sudden that's more official if it's an IFTA report than if it's your pen and paper or (laughs) (laughs) or or a lifetime. Uh. No, that, that's that stuff's pretty pretty darn accurate, especially in engine report if you start going into lifetime. It is it is, it is yeah.
5: nowadays. You're exactly right. And and we use them all uh, to cross verify each that's other. That's what I was just right. gonna and say. If, right. Yep. Yep. If if you're if you can't if you're gonna show a 30, 60, 90 lifetime and uh in your newer truck, your dash better be showing the exact same thing, or guess what? none of those numbers are accurate either because you're relying on an odometer. That's probably not accurate. Right. You know, the revs per mile on a tire or the fuel correction factor. Yep. What this pen and paper is not some magic that makes it more accurate. It's, it is an important part of an overall strategy to determine your fuel efficiency we should be using the dash. We should start to embrace that on newer trucks, the lifetime totals we should embrace. And if we think they're not right, we've got to go through the steps to determine is this accurate or not. And if it's not, you need to get that taken care of. If you're truly, truly into the efficiency and you want to understand what's happening. Yep.
3: Yeah. And you know, on uh, that point, some people wearing it on the, if thing, right. But some people say, Oh, you know, uh, you know, when I my dash says this, but, you know, when I actually fuel up and do pen to paper, it's, you know, several tenths less. Well, guess what? You're also paying extra to the government because your dad, your revolutions per mile must be off. And so you're not actually getting the distance that you say that you're getting. And therefore, you're saying you're you're actually going more miles in a particular jurisdiction and having to pay more in, in uh, if the taxes. Yeah. So it yes. behooves you to get this calibrated. Yes. You know, well, do a rolling radius, you know, test and get your revolutions per mile down correctly.
6: Yeah. And and there's more to it than even Alec and, and knowing someone who worked in the convenience store business who well, actually owned it, there's certain fuel pumps that over a period of time yes. have a tolerance for keeping more fuel than giving it out. So you gotta remember the pumps that we're going off of on those numbers, there's
5: a tolerance there as well. Yes. 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 You'll never get exact matches all the time. It it just doesn't happen, but they should all be close. On occasion, I do get exact matches. I've I've had it happen multiple times this year, but we're really working our tail off to make sure that these numbers are right. And then we get this unexplained variance from time to time, and, and it happens. And the truck may be not set and level. There may be a variance on the pump. There may be temperature changes. Uh, there, there's all kinds of things that can, mm-hmm. can go into that. So, um, you know, acceptable. I think in the
3: industry,
5: I think they say three tenths is acceptable, and I'm generally under that three tenths mark. But if you're within three tenths and you're cross verifying the lifetime totals, your instantaneous and in your receipt, and if you have telematics, you bring that into the you. You should be within three tenths, and that's well, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm going
6: to close. And, and we're you. in the having been Go around ahead. them when they do the factory test. If you're really going to be accurate for all these people that are sticklers for everything, you're not doing it by gallons. You're doing it by weight and by weight. Yes, yeah, right. Yes, and you have to do do by weight and temperature corrected. Yes. Yep. And, absolutely. And and, and forgetting the gallons, it doesn't even matter. Right.
0: right. But yep,
6: yep. I don't think anybody's ready to line up and do that. Hey, hey, Joel.
0: <laughs> Joel. Actually, all of you because all of you guys mm-hmm. get this topic too. Um my open this morning and I may open the um, a space with it just to be antagonistic because it's kind of fun to do that with these guys. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I, I made note of all the exploitive practices that these associations always seem to go after. OIDA, this new association it, their their whole mantra seems to be everybody's out to exploit the driver and the owner operator. And if you join us, we'll screw them back. I mean, that, that kind of seems to be their business model to me. So lease purchases are exploitive, you know, paying a driver on a 1099 is exploitive Um, brokers, you know, taking so much of the rate is explode all of this stuff. And I, I was looking at it. It's not that those are untrue. I can absolutely find cases of people being exploited through those things. My answer has always been, you can write all the regulations you want. You'll never stop ignorant people from being exploited, ever. That, that's just it. It's about education. Right. Educate yourself.
4: Yeah. Don't and,
5: go take it out on somebody else.
0: Yeah, so I, I said, look, look in the mirror. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I see people being exploited with all of those things. So we agree. Yes. The difference is you think the government can somehow fix this and they can't. And I just want to educate people so they're no longer ignorant. Yes. So I said, yes, I, yes. I, I've fix, looked at all these issues yourself, <laughs> and then I've looked at what I think are other exploitive practices going on in this industry. And you guys all missed one. You never talk about this one. And Uh-oh. I think it might be one of the worst and I started trying to figure out why you don't uh, talk about these. And I went and checked. Almost every group or association or influencer I could find was being sponsored okay. by a factoring company. <laughs>
5: oh, well, but, and the other thing that can be exploitative is. The, the actual groups that are claimed to be fighting against it. <laughs> you know, honestly, to me, they that. are. because are right. The, the, yeah, yeah, the stuff, the stuff is nine that they're advocating for. And it's it's look in the mirror, get I, smart, educate he, yourself, educate yourself, educate yourself.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, boy, Joel, I like that. I, I, here's the thing. You're right. I can point at these groups and saying they are exploiting you by keeping you ignorant. <laughs> Do you that's exactly right that is oh, they perfect. are keeping you dumb yes. and
5: by dumbing you down let, then you have let, to that gives them the power so let, i 100% agree with that let's put
0: big posters on the side of our truck say no to cheap freight yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, say no uh, to
5: advocacy ad- groups you know uh, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah
0: uh, they let, they let, they're about they're, let, they're Let's talk about 60% interest rates.
2: Yes. Because
0: that's what factoring can become, 60% interest rates. And you don't think that's yeah. exploitive? And guess yeah. what, by the way? Congress has written multiple laws about these kind of interest rates. Every state has laws against these kinds of interest rates. So how do they do it? It's not considered an interest rate. It's considered a fee. Sure. So write all sure. the regulations you want and people that want to exploit other people will figure out a way to do it.
5: Yep. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There's always a work around. The only true solution is to educate yourself. Yep. And when you educate yourself, you don't need a bunch of groups running around, you know, advocating for you because you're smart enough to do it on your own at that point. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's just ridiculous that you have to join a group that. There's just look, you get 25 truck drivers in a room. Do we agree on anything? So how the <laughs> hell are one of these groups supposed to work?
3: <laughs> well, well, you you, know what, you, you, seize, you cede your autonomy and in independence. You give it to somebody else. That's exactly a- right.
5: Absolutely. And that's the whole reason, the whole reason we, we, we're we not company drivers.
4: Correct. We want to
5: do our own thing. We want to make our own decisions. So we're going to jump out on our own, take on all this risk, all this debt potentially on buying equipment, and then join a group to essentially become a company driver again?
2: <laughs> What, the, what, well, wait what point does that make? Why why
3: don't you take Kevin's favorite business model? Go out and buy the truck from the from the carrier, and then you're going to uh, basically give them the keys to the truck, and they're going to dispatch you on their loads, and they're going to give you a five cent per gallon discount on the fuel when everybody else is getting you know close to a dollar. Here's another way to look yeah. at
0: it. Yeah. Here's another way. You yeah. are paying a company. To to control both your revenue and your expenses for you, and that's bad. That's not a good uh, and, and thing. Look, I'm saying that in a bad what? way. You are paying it, them a whole bunch of money for this the, truck, yes. and they have control over both your revenue and your expenses.
3: That's so horrible. They do, and then and you, your equipment, and, and right, and your equipment too. But, it's even worse. But listen, yeah.
5: It, what no? What's what, what? In my opinion, is even worse than that. Then you join a group like OIDA, and they control your opinion too. You don't even think for yourself. Well,
0: hey, well, you that, can't even speak. Uh,
5: well, please, uh, well, the
2: answer
0: Kevin, the answer here is simple: autonomous trucks. Well,
5: yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah there you go. Right? Because look, well, what, actually, do we, what do we need Kevin, the driver you,
5: you for? At that that's point? a joke. That's For that right. to work the i can
6: see the autonomous trucks the, the, they still find a way to argue but <laughs> <laughs> sit down with you kevin sometime because i've done so much of this business wrong i mean i don't even know where to begin to use a factor
0: i've never used a factor in my life i, I that's uh, what I, I, so, boy i oh, i have oh, had some Henry. of the most ridiculous arguments on the air about this. It's math. Uh, no, I'm not paying 60%. Look, I'm looking at my contract. It says six. No, it says 5%. That's it, 5%. And I'm like, no, it's 60%. No, you don't know how to do math. <laughs> <laughs> what uh,
6: also, never yeah. taken
0: a pawn shop in my life to, to, to <laughs> do that program. Well, and I, j- and, just to and really poke people when i talk about this i say an owner operator factoring is like a low wage worker using payday loans it's the exact same yeah, concept a, that's, that's, yeah
6: exactly it's the same. same
0: and and i guess there could be a case made for
6: it i mean but, but you know to get started i sold everything that i had worked for at that point and lived very frugally
0: yeah
3: to now
6: get so, now on so the other hand do
0: that. You know what? What operation is almost forced to use a lot of factoring? Unless they're really, really well funded. That's a broker. The broker's paying you usually way faster than they're getting. I mean, they brokers have contracts. They're not getting paid for ninety days sometimes. You try to carry all those loads for ninety days while you're paying your carriers.
6: Yeah. I did do that at one point when I was adding people on because I needed to to turn the money. And that was, you know, a simple line of credit. But right. Never did.
0: Right. If you're going to be the broker and that's one of the reasons one of the things brokers get paid for, they get paid for the work they do and the risk they take. They get paid for selling the freight, that's oh, yeah. a lot of work. They get paid for servicing mm-hmm. the customer and mm-hmm. answering all their questions and fixing all their problems, they get paid for that. They get paid to vet the carrier. Shippers don't want to do that, you got to verify license and permits and all that other stuff, the broker's doing that work. And the broker is taking a huge financial risk and carrying all of these freight bills.
5: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. And if you want to feel rich for a little bit
6: uh, is what I always got a kick out of because, and you know why, but if you have an owner operator at to you, because you're paying them way quicker than you're getting oh, paid. Oh, cool. yeah. When, when one quits or you let them go, oh my gosh, you got money coming in hand over foot because you don't have a going <laughs> out and <it's> coming in. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, it's yeah. all of a sudden like you hit the yeah. lottery. Yeah. 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 All right but the, the, the hey. first few of having anybody on you're going feels like you're going broke uh great show today guys you guys brought uh, brought your a game today
5: uh, it was pretty pretty decent a little uh enthusiastic maybe on all parts <laughs> but rightfully so i right. think so. yeah
0: we we tend to get a little excited about this stuff sometimes uh, uh <laughs> Yeah.
3: Pretty awesome show though. I agree. All right. Well, I'm going to jump. Yeah, you, you get every four type A's in the room and <laughs> have a
0: labor day. That's right. All right. Thanks, Henry. Have a great weekend. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys too. maybe on Twitter. If you can join us, that'd be awesome. Uh, same goes for everybody. Uh, let me see. We are going to start the Twitter space at 11 o'clock or in about uh, 23 minutes or so. So we will see you then. Have a great weekend. Be safe.